And this is episode number 90. We made it to 90, and you haven't said one word. You haven't even noticed, have you? You haven't noticed. Take a look. It's not too shabby, Uh, actually. uh, I got to say, pretty darn good. uh, Yes, sir. I got a haircut from a 14-year-old son. Now, I saw on Twitter that he was doing it, but I didn't know if he staged that for comic effect. That was a a staged picture, but he did the whole haircut. He really cut it. Did the whole haircut. Is that the first time he's done it? He's never done Well, he did his own. He tried to do a little bit of his own, and he was working on his brother. He He took some shots, and then I just said, look, I can't do this anymore, and he said, please. (laughs) <laughs> Let me do it. He was begging me to do it. Yeah. So I sat down in the living room in front of the mirror, and this is what came out. And I think it's damn good. It's not too bad. I now think you- it's damn good. He was looking for a tip afterward. And everything. <laughs> sure. Now, you tell that woman in Spokane or wherever she lived that we That's interviewed. Right. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Doing I'm doing fine. fine. Now, I had yeah. to tell him I want this, and I take take a little bit there or there. Did he get you yeah, a glass of know. champagne during the whole thing? I don't or? know what it looks like in the back. He didn't give me a shave or a warm towel. <laughs> he didn't do any of yeah, that, but I, got he, a, he might, but I got a haircut. Might be able to start his own business in college in the dorms. You never know. Hair. Five you, bucks. You never know. This is episode 90, available everywhere. Apple, Spotify. I even got a review. I got a, I got a message in my email that we received a review on Podbean. I've never even heard of Podbean. Do you know Podbean? I've heard of it. A yes. review poured in. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was probably F you. Stop doing it <laughs> after all that. Subscribe, listen, and rate us. We want you to join us each and every Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday for our new shows. Another show, by the way, is coming up a full show on Thursday. It's for patrons only. You can become a patron for $5 a month by visiting MitchUnfiltered.com and clicking the Become a Patron uh, little link. Yep. And you can be like the last four Paula Walters, Bruce Salt. Bill Welch, not Bob Welch, the pitcher. Oh, the old pitcher, sure. Bill Welch and Rick Reed are the last four. Yeah, Rick Reed. Rick Reed. Rick Reed. Was he the movie guy? Rick well, there's Reed. a lot of Rick Reeds. There was a pitcher. I think there was some pitchers named Rick Reed. I'm I thinking of Rex Reed. Rex maybe. Reed. Oh, yeah. Well, he was this critic. The critic, tough, yeah. Tough. Well, tough son of a gun. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, I, I he didn't he like was... my performance in, in <laughs> 5 o'clock high or 4 o'clock high. <laughs> Which I have not told you about yet. By the way, I think I know what movie you're talking about. So I, there you go. I think I like it. I think I really? liked it. Really? You a saw kid. it? I never saw Does it. Does it have to do with a bully? And yes. There's going to be a fight at the yes. end and he's staring at the clock. Yes. All I actually like yes. that movie. I, I, I auditioned for the lead role of that movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is Matt Dillon maybe in there? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think anybody that you would know. I, I never saw the movie. I literally never. When I, when I auditioned for it, it was going to be called After School. That's what it said on top of my script. And then okay. they made the movie and changed it to 4 o'clock three high. 3 o'clock, I Three think, o'clock maybe. high or something like that. Yeah. I auditioned for the lead role. I was, Your life could have been so it, different. It, it has to go down. <laughs> it has to go down. I'll bet you whoever it was, the three or four people that were in that room yeah. have got to be thinking, this is the worst <laughs> Like, who set this up? Like, I was reading. I didn't know how you did it. So they handed you the sides and you just started reading it? I was reading. You're not supposed to read it. Well, yeah, you're supposed to. Well. You're not supposed to read it. You're supposed supposed to come in and, of course, and knock their socks off. I was like, and so I'd like to meet you after school. (laughs) It was terrible. I don't even know what I was doing in there. Hi, my name's Carl. How are you? I hope well. Oh, God. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, It's over. It's over the first ever and last ever TV theme song tournament. Sorry. Did I hear last ever? Well, we're never going to do a TV theme song tournament again, are oh, we? I bet we could get 64 new ones next year. I bet we could. Are we? So the champion cheers, is that in the, I mean, are some of these in the field? How do you do that? Uh, yeah, how do you do that? 
How, how do you? Well, I just figured that you do one theme song tournament and that's it. I didn't think you'd be doing this. I thought I didn't so sign too. up for every year. This <laughs> is not, it's just becoming the bigger deal. Yeah. It's going to be in my contract, my Mitch Unfiltered <laughs> yes, contract, like the the big dance. The bigger dance was in my contract. You know that. Yeah, I had a. There was, was a bigger dance clause in my contract. I always wondered why you kept doing it. Now it makes sense because it was in your contract. Yeah, it jumped the shark like me. Uh, <laughs> at about like yeah yeah no there was no going back yeah they were doing it because they were selling the hell out of it was a moneymaker it was uh, Coors Light oh was that right yeah was well it? there was a few there Mike's were a few Hard Lemonade at one point yeah, yeah I they, had, they had a region but I think that's the same company oh is Probably. it okay I, I don't know I don't know but they had regions and whatever yeah they were selling the hell out of it and it was yeah. like it was like I would go in every year and I'd say okay I think we're done now and they were like uh, no we're not <laughs> we need to, and then they throw my contract at me yeah. like here we go again and yeah. so we do it but I, I didn't know that we were getting into that with the TV theme song well trailer. I didn't think so. I thought this was a one and done until we got all the feedback from people of all the ones that weren't in it we could probably come up because there's a ton more, even just okay. sports ones. Okay. So just something to think about anyway. Well, Cheers is the winner. Yes, they cheers are. Cheers beat Fresh Prince in the championship game. You have the brackets in front of you, right? I do. The final four, MASH, Fresh Prince, Monday Night Football, and Cheers. And you know what's funny about this, and we'll open up the envelope. Everybody's asking me what's in the envelope. And I truthfully, not only is that the original envelope, there's no no funny business. It's a little whiter it's than It's never it been to. moved. Yeah. Honest to God, never been moved. Right. Here's the truth. I know who I wrote as the champion. But I don't remember what else I wrote if I did the Final Four, if I did who they beat. I can't even remember if I just put the champion in there. So you're going to open it here in a second. But what's funny about this is I put my glasses on and I see the brackets filled out. It was really hard when we put this together. And now when I look at the Final Four, they just make a lot of sense to me. I don't know if, you, if you're having the same kind of weird feeling. I look at Cheers, Monday Night Football, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's a good song. And MASH is a timeless Great. song. It feels like and I say to myself, right. maybe it wasn't as hard as we thought it was when we saw the brackets <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it looks like like you could have maybe guessed that. Although one person guessed it, so maybe it was a little more difficult. Well, I'm going to tell you how that – you want to do that first or you want to open my – what do you want to do? Envelope? You want me to tell you quickly how the pool, the, the contest came yeah, out? Yeah, I'm curious how that Okay, went. so on – what was it? 89P, I had a dilemma. Do you remember what the dilemma was? Yeah, you had somebody who got four, who got the final four correct. We didn't know what the way it was going to yeah, work the, out yet. We, we didn't set up a scoring we, thing. We, we hadn't finished the, the semifinals. Yeah. But it looked like we were going to have a choice between people that got two of the final four right, both of the championship game right, and the winner right, versus one guy who got all four of the final four right, but only got one of the championship game right and the winner right. And I was I was in a quandary. Right. Which of those is better? In fact, I took it to Twitter. And it was like split. Yeah. I got a lot of responses, and many of them said, oh, the guy who got four for four, he's right. And then a lot of people said, oh, no, no, no you, you have to have both of the championship game teams right. And, they, and then there were a lot of people that said, it's a flat, if you do it based on point system in our NCAA tournament, it's a flat-footed tie between oh, the geez. two. So we, we, were, we, were, we were in trouble. Right. So here's the way it came out. The one guy, I told you his name, Ed Gurley. Yep. He had four for four. One for two, one for one. He had cheers winning. It's pretty good. Okay. Then we had Tyler Labadia, Matt Mormino, Grant LaTurner, and Mason Oltman. And I think there were thousands of these things. They had all four of those. What did I say? One, two, three, four. All four of those guys had two for four, two for two, right, and one. Okay? And it looked like I was going to have to figure it out. And then... 
Chris Countryman popped up onto my screen. Chris Countryman. He's not cityman. Right. Don't he's not countyman. No, he's not. He's country. He's not stateman. No. He's countryman. Gotcha. All right. Favorite lemonade. He had in the final four. Cheers. He had Fresh Prince. He had Monday Night Football. Okay. And then he had the Jeffersons, which lost in the first round to Mission Impossible. So he, the, the, so the mash, the the mash section, he didn't get right. But he had three of the four right. Okay. And then he had Cheers against the Fresh Prince. And then he had Cheers winning it. Ah. So not only. Do we have so now I don't have to worry about the two He saved two, you. He he's the winner. He completely he's saved the winner. You. What would you have done? He was I don't know. <laughs> I would have run for the exits. <laughs> right. He's the winner. There you go. Wow. Three for four, two for two, one for one. The winner of our first ever and maybe last ever TV theme show tournament is Chris Countryman. All right. Congratulations, Chris. He will be Job winning, well done. He will be winning lots and lots of Mitch Unfiltered paraphernalia, whatever I can find. I'll send him a sw- sweatshirt or something around. Send Brett over to give him a free haircut. Uh, maybe I'll send these other four people. I don't know. You know, meet these other five people something too. Maybe we'll see what happens. Now, anyway, when, when you look at this, yeah, it. I know you just sort of said that, but it does kind of make sense. Those are four heavyweights. Really good. It, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't seem that hard now. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't for some right. reason. The, the suspense is killing everybody. Right. Go ahead. You, you're gonna do the honors. Yeah. You open up the envelope. I have to iron it first to get the bacteria off. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah, the old anthrax true. scare? Yeah, well, not anthrax. Oh, and you licked it too, didn't you, for God's sakes? Well, that's three weeks. Oh, two weeks ago. Oh, I'm, I'm I fine then. Okay, right. <laughs> Go wash your hands. <laughs> I've not had any symptoms. I'm asymptomatic. Okay, Johnny Carson. It's <laughs> good for what do you What do you got? I, you right. gotta open it up. Show, give, give it, yeah. There you go. What do you got? What does it say? Cheers over the Jeffersons. Oh. You picked the winner. <laughs> Is that all it says? Cheers you over the cheers. Jeffersons. Wow, that's impressive. That's not that impressive. I had cheers over the Je- Jeffersons. Lost in the first round, right? True. Lost to Mission Impossible. Yeah, lost to the Mission Impossible top. Barely. Barely. Yeah. Very, very wow. close. That's impressive you picked the winner. Well, I got the winner. There you go. It's I your contest. You, you, you should pick the winner. Nice job. All right. Guests on episode 90. We got to start here. Otherwise, we'll be going and going and going and going. It'll be time for episode 91. Uh, uh, guests. Oh, do we have a guest? Gary Portnoy is on episode 90, and people right now are going, who the hell is Gary Portnoy? Well, let me tell you who Gary Portnoy is. 38 years ago, his life changed forever when he co-wrote and performed and finalized and did the deal for a little song called Where Everybody Knows Your Name. I cannot wait to listen to this. I can't wait to hear him. 30, he was 25. Is that right? 25? He was dead broke. That's young. He had just gotten fired. He didn't have the money for his apartment in New York. He didn't know what to do. And he wrote this little ditty for Cheers. And he gets paid every single time, except when we play it, every <laughs> single time it's on the TV. It's been in commercials. Yeah. It's setting him up for life. The song 38, and now he's 62 or 63 years old. Love it. And he's joining us on Mitch Unfiltered, episode 90. You know who's happiest about Cheers winning this is Steve Dion. Because if the if the Fresh Prince would have won, he would have had to book Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and that might have been a little tougher to get a hold of Will Smith these days. <laughs> but I can't wait to hear this Did interview. Did Will Smith him. perform? He performed it, yeah. Yeah, that would be very That'd good. That'd be tough. <laughs> now, I don't know if Will wrote it. We may have to go with the person that wrote it. See, but... now right now people are going, so you shouldn't have said that because people are going, oh. Uh, 
Oh, there's some funny business. They fixed it so nah. they could get the guy. Uh, we didn't know that we could get Gary Portnoy. In fact, it was it was very difficult. He in his AOL mailbox. It was very <laughs> difficult to <laughs> very difficult to find him. Yeah. But we found him. And let me just say, and I know I hate to oversell. Uh, I had the best 25. It was so fun to talk to him. This story, I know I, I said the same thing about John Tesh. I'm like the, the boy who cried wolf. So I say it all the time. Just love those types of segments. You're going to love this interview about what his what the last 38 years have been like having yeah. written the song from Cheers. It's cool. I love and it. And by the way, he wrote another song for Leon Redbone. Yeah, Mr. Belvedere. Mr. Theme? Belvedere. Yep. He wrote um, and he performed the Punky Brewster song. Oh. And he's got albums. He did original songs. Well, those are original. He's done a lot. of. It's not like typically that's what happens. You find these guys and you're like, oh, he just wrote a ditty for. No. Typically, these guys have written and performed. They just haven't, you know, they just hit big. Yeah, one or one, two. Uh, he just hit big. Yeah, and it yeah. happens to be a theme song. And he lo- and I was like, uh, I, I just got to give you, I just have to give it away a little bit. All right, just right, give it away right. a little bit. My first question to him is, it's perfect. He's 63 years old. Yeah. I'm like, I feel terrible asking you to, t- I mean, this is kind of like the million time you've been asked to tell the story about this. Do you ever get sick? Are you sick? Do you mind? Or do you ever get sick of it? He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it started. That's the way the interview started. Nice. But it was beautiful. It's a beautiful interview. Uh, Gene Taylor is the athletic director of Kansas State. And the reason we had a Big 12 athletic director on, because they all met last week, the Big 12 ADs and coaches and presidents or whatever, had a big meeting to talk about what are we doing about college football? Are we playing it this year or are we not playing it? And if we're playing it, what are the different – what are the different scenarios? Do we delay it as a conference games only? What are we going to do? He's going to join us. Really good chat after they met as the Big 12. And he's very Great. encouraged that they're going to play. But he's going to he's going to lay out for us seven scenarios. They they literally have seven different plans in, in place to play the 2020-2021 college football season. I like hearing that right. adults have plans. It makes me happy. He's got plans. But, it, but some of them are really far-fetched. Like playing half the games now and half the games like six months from now. Really silly stuff. You'll you'll hear what he has to say. And Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBCSports.com. How funny is it that only one major professional sports team applied for and received a small business loan (laughs) of $4.4 million to pay its employees? Now... If I said to you only one of the major sports teams applied for and got this loan, and I asked you to project which one it was mm-hmm. if you didn't know already know the story, you might say the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, Kansas small City market, Royals, Kansas City Royals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Columbus Lightning of oh, the right. NHL, right? You forget you they know, have a team. Small yeah. sure. market, tough, tough. It was the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I did a little research just to just to get my ground. In, you know, not behind me, I guess, beneath me, to get my get ground beneath me before this interview to figure out, okay, how much do you think the Lakers are worth? Boy, are you asking me? How many American sports teams are there, do you think, who are they, that are valued more than the Los Angeles Lakers? Cowboys? Are Cowboys One. You got it. And did you, say, did you say American? There's two American. American. Yankees. You got it. Got it. Okay. So the New York Yankees and Dallas Cowboys are the two only two American teams worth more than the L.A. Lakers. Uh, and then comes the Real Madrid, Barcelona, right, Manchester clubs, United. Yeah. They're worth more. The L.A. Lakers currently are worth five 
billion dollars and they applied for a 4.4 million dollar loan to pay off its employees and that's preposterous and they got it (laughs) (laughs) well at least they know they're good for at least they can pay it back but there's a couple guys on the lakers they could have just borrowed it from like instead of the government right lebron can write a check what are they what are the owners of the devil rays say or the rays say exactly Right. Genie Bus asked for four point we're sitting down here. Genie Bus asked for four point four million dollars. Are you kidding me? And got it. I got it. Yeah. But they returned it. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah, they did return. Okay, good. Because they they came under huge sure. scrutiny, and others got it. Two other businesses around the Shake country, Shake Shack, that, Shake Shack. You know that that people laughed. A lot of people have been giving it back because there's been a lot of little small businesses right. that haven't been able to get it because they're out of money. The 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 funding is done. You know the the uh, the stimulus package is out of money, and it's because the Lakers genie buses <laughs> over there having cocktails with a four point four billion that mom and pop need right. over here. Meanwhile, right? the the guy that owns the frozen yogurt shop down the street is broke. Anyway, Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBCSports.com, will join us on episode on episode ninety. Hotshot, this episode 90 and all of Mitch Unfiltered episodes not possible without our partners Evergreen Golf Call. The market was down last week, 600 points on Friday. Tyler Hayes' team is listening to and understanding its clients' needs. And for decades, responsibly growing families' money, the private wealth management division with offices along the West Coast, headquartered right here in Bellevue, Evergreen and its clients well-positioned to be able to take advantage of some of the opportunities that are now here in the economy. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Zeke's Pizza, Zeke's Pizza delivers, folks. And I'm not just talking about great Northwest-style pizza. You're going to hear from... From President Dan Black on this show. He'll discuss the boom of Zeke's door-to-door delivery of the best local craft beer selection you'll find. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. It's safe and delicious. You pay in advance. You tip in advance. The deliverer drops the pizza at your front door and the beer. I like to call it delicious normalcy in the midst of this pandemic. Zeke's Pizza delivers homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler. You can imagine the stress that the Schwartz family is under with our favorite world-class steakhouses in these unprecedented times. How can you help such a wonderful partner all these years of Mitch Unfiltered and the radio show? Well, beyond purchasing gift cards at the Daniel's Broiler and DanielsBroiler.com, Don't forget about Schwartz Brothers Baked Goods. We love the chocolate croissants. They're on display at all the grocery stores. Same fantastic company, same fantastic product. And the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. Call 425-250-3150. Low interest rates, buying and refinancing opportunities abound. Also, some encouraging news for those of you that are having trouble with monthly payments. With three top 1% brokers in the Kirkland office alone. Jordan Flowers has compiled an all-star team that's standing by to save you money. Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. This is episode number 90 and it starts right now. Unfiltered. You take the 16 or the 12 teams that you want for the postseason, and people who go in, once you go in, it's like the Roach Motel. People check in, but they don't check out, and it's sealed. That way you know that the only people that are on the inside of these 40 square miles, they are not carriers, and that no one else is allowed in. And if they go out, they don't come back in. Unfiltered. Take the Seahawks today and just add Jadeveon Clowney. Are you telling me they're not better defensively? So why not? 
if it's a one-year deal that's not going to screw you up for years to come, that's not going to have negative ramifications from a salary cap perspective in 21 and 22 and 23, why not? What's the downside? Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 90, Hot Shot Scott is now officially, even though we did a big, long tea segment, it's underway. It's it underway. is. But before we get into the sports stuff, I noticed you- What went, sports stuff? You went, <laughs> <laughs> well, marble racing, there was a new one that would By dropped. the way, are you, uh, before you ask your question, yeah. are you kind of proud and impressed that we've been able to do long shows- Without sports, like when when the sports all shut down, were you concerned? Like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Uh, yeah, on on Mitch Unfiltered, <laughs> and we've we've mastered the whole Seinfeld talking about nothing pretty well, haven't we? Didn't we get a tweet from someone, or did someone yeah, tell us? Said, yeah, you guys talk about nothing for so long. <laughs> Those two can go on about nothing for so long. We can, can't we? Well, I kind of enjoy this better than the sports. I don't want the sports to resume. I did it for, <laughs> I did it for 10 years on Cube 93. Yeah, you we did. You didn't about, talk sports. No, we didn't. No, we talked except about, if Sean Springs did something good. <laughs> I talked about but the dumbing of America is what we contributed to. I think to. we've done pretty – I think we've held our own yeah. with entertainment value without any sports. So you were – so, yeah, I don't know. We're gonna, you want to do something other than sports in this first Yeah, segment? I was curious do? what happened happened on Saturday you were uh, yeah. posting pictures yeah. like crazy from yeah. your past you were either cleaning or bored or a combination of both or I have, I have, a, lot, I have a little question I have a little home office as we as a lot of us do that just gets overrun with right. stuff right we just keep what do we do with this stuff you, here's the mail put it in the office right. and before you know it you can't even see me sitting behind the desk I mean <laughs> it's one of those things and I just promised myself when we got quarantined that at some point and I put it off, put it off, that I would go through all those papers yep. and a bunch of old stuff that just got laid out. And I started finding things, as to answer your question, that I thought our Twitter audience, and and we don't, we don't, uh, we don't promote our Twitter very often, do we? No, I, in fact, when I drive over to your house on the way, I always say, okay, put your Twitter out there. You never do well, it. You go first. And I always forget. So at, you're at Scott Soden. Yes, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-D-E-N. Right, and I'm at... Mitch underscore, the little underline. Yes, underscore. You know what that is? I didn't yeah. know what it was for the longest time. <laughs> I thought it was an underline. Mitch <laughs> underscore Seattle, if you want to follow us on Twitter. And I just felt like as I was finding things, uh, I didn't want it to be too self-serving, but I saw, I saw some stuff that I thought people would get a kick out of if I would send photos of certain things. And I sent, and you obviously saw some. Loved it. I, I loved it. was on Saturday, yeah. First of all, I didn't know that you had it in you to have a, a team dinner. That was nice of you with you and Fish. So and, there was a picture. You, so you want to talk about some of the pictures that we found. I, I need some ex- explanations can, 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 on can, this. Can we do nine? Can I do the, 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 the people versus 90? We've been waiting for 90. Real quickly, I'll just tell you, you have some decisions to make. All right. People, some people don't want you making it anywhere near after what you pulled on oh, 89. I got the a lot Mike of Ditka, yeah. Oh, they didn't oh, like that. Weaseled out. I did. <laughs> so Jadeveon Clowney I heard of him. wore 90. Jaron Reed wore 90, changed to 91. And now he thinks he's wearing 90. But John Schneider said, not so fast, my friends. I haven't approved that yet. Right. Because we all thought on 89P, on episode 89P, that... Jaron Reed's announcement that he's going back to 90 means that Jadeveon Clowney's not coming back. Right. And then Schneider made the rounds. He did his, his annual rounds on the radio stations, and he said, no, don't read into any of that. We don't know whether he's coming back or not. The door's not closed. But Jaron Reed is not wearing 90 until I say he's wearing 90. <laughs> right, okay. I like that. As if to say it's open. So he wore 90. The other 90 that wore a Seattle Seahawks uniform, you will remember, I went to college with. Hold on. A Syracuse Seahawk. It's no, no. It's Tony little, Woods. It's a little random. Tony Woods. No, oh, he was maybe Illinois. Well, get, just no. g- give me the long time ago. Give me the year, roughly. 
Well, years. he went to school with me, so uh, I think I was a little older than him. He probably got he probably got out of Syracuse in 90, 91 and played for the Seahawks. He was yeah. drafted by the Seahawks. They were god-awful. They were terrible during yeah. his... You may not even remember him. Okay. I remember him. Very, very nice guy. I went to school. I knew him in college. His name was Terry Woods. Wooden. Oh, Wooden. Terry, Terry Wooden. Wooden. Oh, I yeah. think I could have maybe got he that. He wore 90. Terry Wooden. He was pretty good, though, Terry yeah. Wooden. Yep. I think so. He's so, great in college. Great, well, great player in college. And so those are the local yokels. Neil Smith... Oh, sure. Some really good, but not great, not Hall of Fame level defensive lineman, War 90. Neil Smith from the Chiefs. He was really good. He was really good. I don't yeah. think he ever made the Hall of Fame. Javon Kurse was pretty good for a long was time. Was he the freak? He was the freak. He, he never was- made it in the Hall of Fame. University of Florida guy. And uh, here's a guy that probably will make it into the Hall of Fame, just not yet. Julius Peppers. Oh, yeah. War 90 and also played college basketball. Oh, I didn't know that. I think for Dean Smith, but somebody at North Carolina. He played at North Carolina. Played basketball and football at North Carolina. Now, wasn't Peppers always the the high market free agent that he made a lot of? All these guys made a lot of. Panthers Javon Kurse, by the way, made a ton of money. Oh, signed a huge. I was just reading about it because I was looking at famous. Anyway, those are the '90s from which to choose no, at the no, end of no, the no, show. No, no. You think you forgot one? Oh, I think you forgot one on that <laughs> list of yours. And by the way, yeah, I do want to get to your your Twitter, but I I, I did a little research on that game you yes. talk about. Yes, it was a ninety yard interception by Steve Entman, the longest touchdown by a defensive lineman ever. At that point, okay, w- would you like a little more? No, uh, the longest punt return for a touchdown given up by the Dolphins ever also happened in that in game. That game. Oh, yeah. God, <laughs> listen to this, Clarence Verdan. I remember him. No, you don't I really. Sure do. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> Clarence Verdan had eight punt returns for 19 total yards coming into that game. That was a really high-scoring game. It was like 45-34 or 48-30. Am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, it was pretty high. But you don't have that. Stoyanovich too. missed an extra point. I remember that. And, and Pete Carroll went like this? Yeah. He once Not that oh, okay. one, but he once did that. He yeah, once yeah. gave him the choke sign. And I couldn't believe that uh, Mark Duper was still playing in 1992. Because Why he, can't you? Well, he was good in like 83. That was 10 yeah, years well, earlier. Yeah, well, he was good. He was more good. He, no, he was good in like 85, 86. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't with the – I don't think he I don't think he preceded Dan Marino. Marino was like in the 83 draft. Yeah, yeah. So he would have been more like – Duper would have come in in like 84, 85 with Clayton, the Marks brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I saw Marino throw a touchdown to Duper. I was like, Duper's still playing yeah. in 92? And then Entman just rumbled and st- no one wanted to get in his w- – oh, God, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's why I just – I, I excluded <laughs> Is that why he's off the list? Well, I mean, we should talk at the end of the show about we're going to get to the Twitter stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk about Entman. I guess it's Steve Entman. I guess the episode's Steve Entman. He, I mean, he was the greatest, hus- greatest Husky defensive player. Maybe the greatest Husky of all there time. There you go. Greatest Husky of all time. No, really? Yes. Greatest Husky of yeah, all time. Yeah, I don't know how he can Warren be. Moon. Yep. All the different Huskies. I mean, first, first player the picked in the draft. That's, he was. Yeah. He was un- unblockable. Unblockable. Now, there are some questions as to why. What was going on there? Was anything uh, well, going on there? But if, if there were, you could put him on a li- long list yes, of people. Yes, you could. I, you know, yeah. if it came out tomorrow that it was, I, I would not have harsh harsh feelings for him yeah except i would just say you know did they win the national championship that year of course they won two th- out of the three polls i, I thought they won that. half half of one what did miami beat nebraska 22 <laughs> nothing on a neutral field the huskies go into nebraska and beat their ass i don't ass. have any idea i don't I even do. remember just remember miami was a lot better than washington <laughs> okay yeah we'll come back to episode nine so what did you see that you have questions about oh, on the twitter i i so I, I saw fish threatening you with a mushroom you had like a team dinner we had a team dinner and you know how lunch. they they yeah. show like those 
coaching trees. I of, found that picture of people who go on under like Bill Walsh. You know, there's this yeah. coach and in Holmgren, and yeah. So you had Rockstar Bob on your team, yeah, and then Tracy Taylor, who's gone on to be a yeah. big TV star. Yeah, yeah. What I don't are you know trying what to say. <laughs> well, Please no. don't compare me to Bill Walsh. <laughs> Tracy well, you know. Taylor in that picture looks about. Eight years old, 12 <laughs> years old. She was great. Everybody was great. It brought back a lot of memories. It flushed me with memories when I saw it in my office, so I put it online. The interesting thing about that is that thing has gone viral. A lot of people have been re-liking it or really? tweet, retweeting, and it's a, just a huge amount of people have, have, have seen it. That picture, believe it or not, and I, I don't really want to get too far into this because Daniels is my love. Sure. That was taken in like 19, I'm going to guess 97, 98, something like that. Okay. But we all had loves before our current love, so it's okay. Well, I know. love Daniels. I love Daniels from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> um, but that was at the Met Grill, mm -hmm. and that picture was on the wall at the Met Grill. Is that right? Yeah. Right it might still be, for all I know. <laughs> I thought that was reserved for famous people who come in. <laughs> well, no, they only do it with Bill Walsh disciples. That's right. <laughs> so, yes, it's a good picture. Yeah, if, if you go to my Ray Twitter, Charles, you see Garth it, Brooks it and brings Mitch back Levy. a heyday. You were already gone. Now, I don't remember. What did you do? You left to go to college or something and yeah, then came back? I left in 97 to go to college okay. for two minutes. And okay, then, you, then literally, you, you literally called me at the dorms at PLU. It said, do I you did? Wanna, do you want to come back? Yeah. Really? Yeah, and I came back. And like, I called you. You called me. Really? Personally? You personally called wow. me. Wow. I was that important. I was good. I and was you didn't a good sock me up. in the nose? <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, that <laughs> College was a good, sucks. Well, look, we had a, I mean, as you know, you, you, I mean, I, I'm sure I had more than my fair share, but I, you do this for 20, I did 23 years. So it's radio. It's, it's young people. Right. It's people not making a lot of money, as you know. It's a turnover. Yeah. So they come in and they go to other careers and they look for other jobs. They don't, and plus, they hate me and they, and they <laughs> want to get out of there. But So you end up having lots of producers, lots of co- not a lot of co-hosts, but lots of people that come in Board and go. And, and because they have to. I mean, they're not sure. going to sit there making $8 an hour for the rest of their lives. I made eighteen five a year with you. You did? Yeah. I didn't know that. 18.5. So that's, I that's probably you, about $8 an I called hour. you? Did I offer you that? <laughs> so so uh, as a result, and uh, you know, I had a lot of different people over 23 years that came and went, came and went. And it's amazing. And I'm not taking any credit for this, but it's amazing what happened to just about all of them except for you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was not part of the Bill Walsh coaching tree, was I? <laughs> you just ended up with me again. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Clearly the dumbest of all of them. But uh, that, that picture <laughs> brings great back picture. a lot of me. That was a yeah. great crew. And I, people were like, oh, that's the, that was when you were at your best. And other people say, no, you were at your best when Sandmeyer was your yeah. cousin. So everybody has kind of their, sure. their Mitch era of 23 years, the two or three eras that the show was at its best. Some people didn't listen in certain cases. They didn't know about it, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't get into that game because I don't really know. But I just know that I love that crew. That crew was fun. That, that picture might have been taken right after the male stripper with Jeff Aaron. I mean, it was close. <laughs> right around there? Right around, because uh, mm, Fish. Uh, uh, Rockstar Bob, Bob oh. was on the board. And he, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was being chased. Fish was being <laughs> chased by the, by the male stripper. But, yeah, that was a good crew. And Tracy, yeah. you know, she's an underrated piece of history of the show. And I'm so glad for her success. I, I, I lose track of which TV station she's right. on now. But, man, she went to Spokane, and she did radio and TV. Yeah. And she did come back, and she She's really people know who Tracy Taylor is a big star she is. in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm just thrilled. She was 
I don't know that she was ever – she probably didn't feel as appreciated as she should have, but it was great, and you were great. And all these guys, it was just unbelievable. It was yeah. an unbelievable – so, yes, the picture's on Twitter. That's the picture. I love it. I remember talking to her once, and she was doing a split shift in radio, so doing the mornings and then yeah. coming back. and do, I mean, she was a hard worker, Tracy, so the I'm bet, happy for her success. Well, there's a couple of things from the Tracy era that I'll, I'll, I'll bring up. One, I probably shouldn't. I think I have a feeling because I was reading some of the comments. Pizza and porn. Yeah, I don't know she what that is. It. Yeah, well, you don't need to know. Uh, <laughs> I think I can every, do the math. Tuesday. But... <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, we, we'll get past that because she's a respected journalist. And, yeah, and, yeah. And we'll get past that. But late in her run before she w- went off to become a star, we had a character that was pr- helped producing the show named Schmitty from Somerville, Massachusetts. Just another great era of the show. Another wild, crazy character. I remember With him. the Boston accent, whatever. Oh, yeah. And he and Tracy did not get along, and it boiled over onto the show. <laughs> Is that right? And it was fabulous. I love that kind and of stuff. I just was... <laughs> And the two of them would fight on the air and yell. I mean, and it, it was not oh put on. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And it awesome. was great. And one time, I'll just never forget it, that Schmitty just, just blew up. She, was, she used to needle him. Really? Needle him. <laughs> and he just boiled over yeah. on the air. He's like, he like, I'm sick and tired of your crap. You couldn't. And she kept on saying, I could be a better producer. I'm, not, I'm just traffic, but I can produce your show better than he can. He's like, you couldn't handle it. Not for a day. Not for a minute. It would be, you'd be, you'd be taken out by the bull. I mean, I just, yeah, yeah. Know, he was just so funny. And he was uh, fiery anyway, right? He oh, had like yeah. that big boisterous oh, yeah. personality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wonder Boston. what happened to Schmidt. He was, he's, he's probably back in Somerville, Massachusetts. <laughs> just another one from the Bill Walsh lineage. That's right. <laughs> anyway, okay, yes. All right, so. Is that on Twitter. I found that picture. Yes. Am I supposed to know who Sean Chabot is? Because I saw a picture of you him. You don't know who Sean Chabot is? Ah, it sort of sounded familiar when I saw it, but I, I couldn't figure out who okay. Sean Chabot is. I think I've done this on the podcast, so I'll make it. I'll, d- I'll give you an abridged version of it. Okay. Well, no one listened long. before I got here, so go ahead and do it again. It's M- fine. P- plenty. Of the, num- <laughs> the numbers don't suggest it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, Sean, so I think, I, and I think you know the story. I don't think you were involved, but I think maybe it was when you were there. Well, when do they, when do they blow down the kingdom? When do they knock the kingdom down? Do you have any idea? 98? Any years? I don't know. Kingdom was still 99. up. All right. KJR had a softball team. KJR had a softball team. I remember driving you to one of the games at Green Lake. Really? I didn't it, drive myself. You, you were a professional driver too? Well, I had a crappy little Nissan Altima or Sentra. I, I needed a ride? Well, you asked. I said, yeah, I'll come pick you up. So you and I literally drove to you a softball on the team? game. Oh, you weren't on the team. I think it was one of my first or second games. I just remember okay. New York Vinny hitting a single and getting thrown out at first base. Yeah. That's what I remember. It was, it was left to short to <laughs> second to first. Oh, poor guy. I mean, he really hit the ball well. He just, no no wheels. And, and, and the ball hit the shortstop's glove and died in short center and short left yeah. in the weeds at Green Lake. Yeah. It was sitting there for a while. The left fielder got it, short, second, first, yeah. just got him by a nose. He made it a close play. That's right, he did. Okay. So, yeah, softball team. So yeah, softball I team. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, we had a softball team, and we made it. We made it to, like, the first round of the second round of the playoffs, whatever the playoffs were. It was a Green Lake or something like that. And we got into a game, a really heated game. It was like single elimination. Yeah. And, I, and I hope I don't blow this because it's a long time ago. So you can't hold me. If I make a mistake on details, you can't hold me to it. Fair enough. And, and the people that I'm about to mention can't hold me to it. Okay. I hope they won't. But we were losing. It was the last at bat, the bottom of the last inning. We were up. I was kind of, I don't know that I was the manager, but I was helping run. We know it was no manager, whatever. It was, it was, it was very, we wanted to win. It was very competitive. And we had the tying runs or something on base in a softball game at Green Lake. Okay. And there were two outs and your former boss, yes. I believe it was him, 
Mr. Richmore, Mr. Purple Shoot Richmore, yeah. got thrown out of the game earlier in the game for arguing a, a call in softball. That's not the Richmore I know. <laughs> <laughs> I played in a flag football tournament with him one time, uh, and he almost got killed. He threw the ball to the guy's face. I'm pretty sure he got thrown out of okay. the game. Now, if he's listening or he, <laughs> it gets back to him yeah, that it was somebody not. else, I, made, I, 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 I think he got thrown out of the game. The point being that we start making this rally to come close to tying and maybe winning, and now Rich Moore's he's on deck. Rich Moore's spot in the order, which is an automatic out because oh. he's already because we don't have anybody else to pinch in for him. Right. And I and everybody's like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We got the tying runs on base. What are you gonna do? He's on deck. He's on deck. Rich Moore's on deck. I don't even know if he left the state. I don't know if he left. You're still sitting there. Whatever. And I turn, I swear to God, I turn on the fence. There's a guy watching the game with keys in his hands and jeans and dock siders. Yeah. And he's got his hands up against the fence. And I start yelling, hey, where have you been? Where, where, where have you been? And he's like, what the hell? What is this guy doing? He's watching the game. I said, yeah. where have you been? He goes, what do you mean? What have you I said, get in here. Jesus, we've been waiting for you. And the other team's like, going, whoa, ho, ho, yeah, ho. Yeah. And like, what's going on here? And I was like, this is, no, 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 no. What's your name? He goes, Sean. Sean what? Sean, Sean, come on, Sean. You're on deck. Where are you going to pinch it? I mean, we've been waiting for you. And, right. and people, it had happened so fast that nobody could object to the umpires. We had umpires and everything. This kid, I got him into the on-deck circle, out to the plate, in his docksiders, and he rips a double. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> oh, my God. He rips a double. Guys are scoring. Yeah, yeah. We end up winning the game. Oh, my I go on the I go on the radio the next day. I think it was a midday show. I pretty Well, maybe it wasn't. I go on the radio. I tell the whole story. We play the natural song. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean, I have him on. Right. Hey, Sean. <laughs> and by the way, the, the, the kicker, not kicker, but part of the story is when he went to the plate real quick, he had his keys in his hands. And I said to him, here, give me the keys. Give me the keys. And he tossed me his keys. Yeah. And then he rips one in his dock Unbelievable. for a double. And we end up winning the game. Okay. So <laughs> I tell the story. He, he was just walking just around. Just walking around. All right. So I tell this story on the air yeah. and we're playing the song. I think we have him on, whatever. We get a call. From the Mariners, and I believe it was the aforementioned Kevin. I used to know him as Kevin Martinez. Sure. He's now Martinez. Mm-hmm. He's still there. He says, we'd like to officially invite Sean Chabot to throw out the first pitch. Come on. the Mariners game. Before you know it, we're in the kingdom, the two of us. He goes to the mound. We get, we get driven out of the bullpen. He, I, he wears his jeans and, and his stock siders. Yeah, yeah. He tosses me the keys, just like he the did. The whole routine. The whole thing, and he throws it like to Dan. He's out throwing a pitch to Dan Wilson. <laughs> now, 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 the other part of the story that's not so not so flavorful, it is flavorful, but not, is that before, when we were waiting in the green room to go out and we were with the Mariners, I was like, I can't believe they invited us to do this, whatever. Yeah. His wife was like making demands. Oh, like, no. I want an autograph from Junior. I want this. I want that. I want a ball. I want oh, a game ball. Oh, no. I want the video of this on, <laughs> on VHS. And I, I was like, oh, oh no. And I'm sitting there going, what am I? Go- what, this, right. is, this is terrible. Why am I involved this ter- in this? this I don't want to be here. These guys at yeah. the man, Mar- Mar- Martinez and these guys, have taken Sean Chabot from our show <laughs> yeah. and put him on the mound. This yeah. is not the Rainiers. This is the Mariners. What do they say on the screen as to who's... <laughs> it said, re- look at your look at the pictures. It says, first pitch, Sean Chabot. Oh, he did a big intro. Tom 
Hudler or whatever Tom the guy's Hutler. name. He's like, our still ne- there. But t- t- today we are honored. He-, he did a whole thing, you know. This our guest in a in the bottom of the sixth inning at Green Lake. He, he oh did the whole God, thing. Oh my God, the Mariners with 3,500 people there running out of people to throw out the first. <laughs> no, pitch. they weren't. They had everybody. <laughs> they, oh God! And so that's the picture you see on Twitter of Sean Chabot throwing out the first pitch. That's unbelievable. On. Yeah, I can't believe the other team let you get away with that. They had to have known. Well, they were objecting. I I think it went protest. I think they protested the game, but it happened all so fast. I just pulled the guy out. And he, and he, how about the the rip? Just a long drive rip. Yep. Just a guy watching the game. With jeans on. Rips one to to win the game for your team. Hilarious. And ends up on the mound at at, at the kingdom. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, but I'm, just, I'm still trying to figure out what would Hutler say? Oh. He was good at it. He had one hit in a yeah. game at Green Lake, yeah. so now he's throwing out the first yeah. pitch. Jeez. Okay, so that was a picture that from, from cleaning, from Saturday's deep cleaning, yes. The name Sybil Danning yeah. sort of sounds yeah. familiar. It's embarrassing. I it's a little embarrassing. I, I guess, can you be embarrassed for what you do at 16 years old? Nah, Okay, not real quickly, so I, I posted the picture, and my five page handwritten love letter five pages Sybil. five pages i have it i could if you read this oh, thing, oh God, we, we could read to. it on the air we, we do a dramatic to. reading on yeah, it. yeah. A quick story so Sybil, do you know Sybil? do you know the name Sybil? the name yeah. sounds familiar so you know when you're 16 you like these flicks that you know that you sure. can get into cinemax well no no this was in on on in the theaters you were trying to slide into movies that had nudity and all that yeah, stuff yeah. she was like a b she was like a, a bombshell a blonde okay. bomb. she was in playboy she was like a b movie a b level movie actress Gene, she's still around Gene Danning. simmons married a woman i can't come up with her name but Gene same. simmons no though that's shannon tweed so sort of like she shannon was like tweed? playmate of the year Ch- shannon tweed was playmate of the year she, she was in those cockamamie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. skinamax but movies but this is not a this woman was in big, like a legit actress legit, she was, well Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. And I don't know. I was 60. It was 1982, 83. She was in a movie called Chained Heat. Forget. It sounds awesome. I'm in. <laughs> and I was trying to slip. In. Wait. Is that was it take place in a prison? I, I know. Yes. I think so. <laughs> women's prison. <laughs> yeah. Sounds awesome. <laughs> All right, you got me so far. Go on. Okay. So this would be one of those movies that you as a 16-year-old would buy a ticket for another movie and then slide in. Oh, and try of course. To get it right. yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. In 1983, <laughs> I became familiar with Sybil Danning. Okay. And I became, infa- I don't know, I, I'm not infatuated, but I just became familiar with her. She was probably in those days 30, 27, 30. Okay. You know, she was in Playboy. She was in all the, whenever she was in these movies, she was naked, the whole thing. Sorry, any chance it was called Caged Heat? No, it's called Chained Chain Heat. Okay. It's called Chained Heat. Go on. And, uh, and so... <laughs> Uh, I had, I, I, so my family went on this huge trip to Europe one summer. We used to always take trips as a family somewhere. And on this particular summer, the summer of 1983, we took a, a trip to Europe. Okay. And we went to different places, France or whatever. It was like the, the trip of our, of my life. It's, I probably haven't been back overseas since. And one of the places we went to was Munich, Germany. We went to the concentration camps and yeah, we, yeah. we, we saw, I went to the pool where Mark Spitz won the seven gold medals, oh, you know, cool. the, the whole thing. And we're checking into the hotel. I think it was in Munich. Checking in the hotel. And my dad's at the front desk checking in. It's, I don't know, whatever. We've traveled all night. And who walks in? Sybil Danning walks in. What are the chances, right? What are the chances? I had chances? just snuck into her movie. I was infatuated. And she just walks right in, in Munich, Germany. Right. And I'm like... Same hotel. I'm like... And I start trying to explain to my parents who this is. They got no idea. <laughs> So wait a minute. You said you were 16? 16, 1983. And so as soon as you see her, you recognize her. I like, just had seen her when back okay. home in the summertime in a movie. God. I had just seen her and Which, I got the Playboys and the whole thing what? underneath the blanket <laughs> yeah, under yeah, the mattress. Yeah. And so I see her walking in. And I'm like, oh my God. And I start to try to explain to my parents and my brothers who this is. And they're like, oh, chained it. What? What? Right. When did you? My mom said, 
When did you go to something oh, called Shady? You just yeah. sold yourself I out. Sold yourself. <laughs> but you, but I've told you enough about my dad that this would not surprise you. He says to, what does he say? Go over to her. Yeah, yeah. Go over to her. What can it hurt? You yeah, like yeah. her? Go talk to her. <laughs> Push comes to shove. I kid you not. Push. She's there on some publicity thing. Okay. She's with like a a a, a little guy with a camera or something. She's Ooh. with a guy, and we start. I go over to her. We. She sits down in the lobby. We're talking. She's checking in. She says, listen, I'm checking in. Why don't you come up with me to my room? Wait, are you by, by yourself with I'm her? I'm with, with my family. Okay, with your family. And she's with the guy, and yeah, we're yeah. talking or whatever. She's super nice. She can't believe she's got a fan in Munich, Germany. 16-year-old boy whose hormones are all sure. over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she literally <laughs> says to me, i got to go check in. Hey, Mitch, Mitchell. She called me Mitchell. Why yeah. don't you come up? Just come up. So I look at my wow. mom and dad, and my dad's like, go, go. Yeah, right. My boy. <laughs> and I, I end up in the room with her. I end up in the room. Just you and her. And, 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 the, and, and the little guy. She's got a Swede, and he's like oh. another. In, and she says, let's take some pictures. And somewhere I have these pictures. We sit next to each other on what? like a foot, on the foot thing next to a bed. And she's got her hand on my thigh. And she is, I mean, she, and we see her the whole rest of the trip. I mean, nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing happens. But we see her the rest of the trip. She's flirty. She's nice. Like, for three days, we see her. She sends all these pictures. She's got these pictures, whatever. She's just, I don't know. She's just thrilled to have a 16-year-old fan. And sure. she's acting all all sexy like her images. Yeah, and yeah. she's giving me Photoshop, you know, um, uh, publicity things and signing things and taking pictures with me. And I had her, I, I, I ended up going out and getting her poster. She had a poster, like a Fair Fawcett poster. Oh, yeah. And I put the pictures of me and her on her whole thing. Okay. So, right, so Sybil Danning, right? So I, for the rest of the trip, I'm like, uh. Right. Sybil Danning really likes me. I was convinced she likes sure. me. Sure. She's 30 years old. I'm six, She's probably, I don't know. You got to check what her age is. She's still around. That 25, that, whatever that it is. first crush, though. I mean, if, if I was completely convinced yeah. that she really liked me. If Heather Thomas would have shown me any interest, <laughs> I would have been right there with you. I would have been convinced. So we go home and we go back to Florida. She's given me her number and the whole, the whole thing or some, her age, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We get back home and. I go to sleep one night. It's school. School starts, whatever. It's now the 83, 84 school year. I'm now a junior in high school. Okay. And I wake up one morning to go to school, and my dad is waiting for me to talk to me. Okay. And he says to me, you are not going to believe this. What? I want to show you a TV show from last night, but I don't have it. You, didn't, you can't just dial up an old TV show. Right. He literally had to call his contacts at like a TV, st- at like the Fox affiliate or the not even, the, I don't think it was Fox back then. Yeah. Like the ABC affiliate. Do you ever, you remember, the, you know the name Alan Thick. You know sure. his son's name, right? Well, I know Alan too. Growing Pains, Yeah, right? Growing yeah, Pains, yeah. right. He had in his career a late night talk show. Thick of the Night? Thick of the Night. I remember, yeah. You do remember? Sure, okay. yeah. So it was all one of these shows. My dad's calling like advert, like people that used him as an attorney to try to get, <laughs> we need your Thick of the Night show from Tuesday night. You know, whatever. <laughs> calling like, favors. Like, and so we get the show and he plays it for me. She's on. She is on his show. She comes out and she starts telling the story of meeting her, meeting the 16-year-old boy in Munich, Germany. She starts telling the story. And I'm like, and now I'm convinced of it. Right. 
You guys are going to live happily ever after, I'm aren't like, you? I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. She's telling now. She, I don't think she mentioned me by name, but she says, I ran into, he said he was going to take his Christy Brinkley posters down, and I had Christy Brinkley So did posters. I, yeah. <laughs> she's, he's going to put mine up, which I had already done, yeah. and he was such a sweetheart, and my, she was trying to tell oh the story. Gosh. She was telling the story of how her appeal now, she even runs into people in Munich, Germany that are, that are fans. Whatever. She's telling the story. Yeah, yeah. Telling my story. And so I wrote a five-page letter to her oh. that I photographed and I put on. That's what you see on Twitter. And one of, as it turns out, this guy, and I don't know if it was this guy or another guy, they start trying to sell us stuff. Oh. And I don't think she was behind it. I yeah. think that maybe there... I think maybe there was a split in her management team or something, but before we knew it, they're, they're sending, hey, do you want to buy this of Sybil or this of Sybil? I was like, ah. And that made me distant. That, that, that's what broke my heart. That meant she didn't like me so much. You are just a business transaction. So the Twitter thing, that's a long story. Wow. The Twitter thing was the five pa- I found, I somehow have it. I still have it, the five-page letter. After she was on Thick of the Night, the five-page letter that I wrote with my own penmanship to Sybil Danning. Think about how many different places you've lived that that's made it. I, I mean, I don't know if you brought it with you. Maybe it was at your mom's house all Some, those years. I, I think when she moved, she sent a bunch of this crap to me. Okay. And I just have it. Yeah. If you don't let me read that on the air. I have to read it I don't again. know who you are. No, 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 no. There's no, <laughs> there's no preview in it. I'll do it on a pee show. How about that? <laughs> That'll get the patron spiked. <laughs> right. No better time to read something like that than that's during that a quarantine. That, that's that story. That's amazing. Now, yeah. we got to find that that thick of the night it has to be out there somewhere. Of the of the interview with him? Yeah, oh, I mean, wouldn't that be something? On YouTube? I don't know. And we have no, to, don't, should we get know. her on to talk about it? I don't know that she would. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if she would. Yeah, maybe she would. I she, think she would, she, she would definitely remember. If she claims to not remember this, because she loved me, Scott. That's right. <laughs> we were meant to be together. No, <laughs> looking back on it, do you think what her intentions were just, I'm going to be as nice as I can to a fan? Or do you think there was something a little more to Sinister? it? Sinister? Yeah. Or is it just to kind of be like, hey, I'm so happy you're a fan. I I'm going to be as nice as I can. I, I'll, be, I'll be, you know, I'll be naive. I think that she was in the middle of a little bit of run on with some movies she was getting some movie roles some fair they weren't big roles but I mean they were big roles in small movies but she was in the cinemas and whatever she was trying to make a name for herself and here she was across the world and somebody recognized her yeah. even though, though I was 16 and she just got off on that the fact that okay. here my, I have a fan that happened to be in Munich at the same time that recognized me and whatever I just think that that was that was important to her at the time that's all I okay say. so no, nothing yeah. sinister behind no, it yeah, yeah. but then I think something happened with the manager and the manager started wanting money and I don't yeah right. and I've never talked to her since it would be very funny if we could get her on oh, I'd somehow love to. we have to it would be very I mean that would be an unbelievable interview yes it would be an unbelievable interview. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine that she would not remember this. She might play like she didn't remember, but I can't imagine she would not remember this. I can't imagine it. So you wrote her a five-page letter. Five-page letter. But you never sent it. No, I sent it. Wait, why do you she- have it? I have a copy. Oh, My dad copied copy. everything. Oh, he did? Oh, he was an t- attorney. You copy <laughs> everything. You don't send anything, Mitchell, until you copy Okay, it. gotcha. We got a copy of everything. So you have a copy of I it. I have a copy. It's a copy. It's a photocopy. That's what I sent. I, that's what it's on there. I thought that photo. was the original. No, you it's a photocopy. Chicken out and didn't... Totally photo. No, it went. Totally sent it to her. So totally sent it to her. God, God that's awesome. Love right. letter. We have we have work to do. We got to read that letter and we got to get her on the show. <laughs> All right, one more one more tweet that you sent out. Yeah, there from a- from Cleaning Saturday. Yes, you got questions? Picture of you 
shooting a jumper, uh, it looks like. Yes. And I was, Number 30. I was actually impressed that, that you could actually fit the ball in front of your face. I wasn't sure if you could actually, okay. you know, in case, I, I wasn't sure. You okay. Know, if you, <laughs> how can I not? But yeah, you were shooting a jumper. Okay. looks like to be high school, yeah. I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what you so, know how they tell you to keep the ball out in front for a good jump, jumper? Yeah. I got to keep it way out in front. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was really impressed. Well, you yeah. can really get that thing in front of your face. Yes. So you played in high school. I did. You talked a little bit I about did. it. I did. I played in high school. I was a very mediocre athlete. Very mediocre. I played tennis. I was a pretty good tennis player as a kid, as a little kid growing up, and then okay. played. I was a competitive tennis player as a kid and what have you, and then got into high school and ran into some other much better tennis players in our state state of florida that's yeah. probably my best sport was tennis but yeah i played i played basketball but if you're playing high school basketball you're played not you're not bas- bad well i played it just to make sure you understand i played at a small private we were a small private school so we were a, a small level high school basketball program okay. but we were one of the better teams gotcha in, okay. in 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 the group and yeah i played basketball and i tried to play golf i've told the story about hitting into jack nicholas's uh group when i my, my one and only guy i was a very moderate very moderate athlete. So yes. basketball, but not bad basketball player. Not a bad little point guard. Did you play? Were you a starter? How, how good were you well, your, uh, when it comes to like your senior well, year? <laughs> well, what were the questions again? <laughs> were you good? Were you good enough to get good. on the court? And then did you end yes, up starting yes, ever? Yes. My best year, I believe, was my sophomore year uh, when I was on JV. Okay. I think that was my best scoring year. I was the leader on the team. Um, yeah, I played, and uh, the question of did I start, I knew we were going to kind of go here. Yeah, did I start? Curious. It's kind of a complicated answer to the question of I start. Now, the answer is not complicated. The answer is no and then yes. I was supposed to, then I didn't, and then I did. But the story is funny. We okay. can do the story. But if we're going to do the story, I, I, I knew we were kind of going down this line. I'd like to call, if you don't mind, one of my best friends, my old friend, Roger Yaffe, who was my year my age, played on the team with me, okay. graduated high school with me. He's in Florida. He remembers this stuff a lot better than I do, some of the details. But the story of how I became a starter, I think you might get a kick out of I'm in. So should we call him? Let's call Roger. Okay, I told him that we might call him. Hello, it's Roger. Ladies and gentlemen, there he is. The high school teammate, the high school buddy, Roger Yaffe. Say hello to Hotshot Scott, Roger. Hotshot Scott, how you doing? Hey, Roger. How's it going? It's nice to talk to someone who knows where the Levy bodies are buried. <laughs> right? Trust me, there are so many. One of these days, I'll, I'll have to share a lot more than we probably have time for tonight. <laughs> you know, there's uh, there's there's a lot of time in podcasts. There's That's no true. there's nobody following us up. There's no other show to kick me out of the studio. And everyone's home listening. Yeah. <laughs> so we were well, talking. He was asking me about my high school basketball exploits. And, and we came a, around to the question of whether I was a starter or not. And I, mm. I told him that that's uh, kind of a complicated answer. Actually, the answer is not complicated, guys. I was not a starter at the beginning of my, what, senior year in high school, but I became a starter. But what's complicated is how I became. And Hotshot wants to know how I became a starter. Do you remember the night... The famous night or the infamous night where everything changed in 1985. I guess it would have been, would it have been 85 or December of 84? You know, I was thinking 35 years ago. So I think I remember things, but if not, I'll I'll be sure to embellish a little bit. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Well, a little bit of the backstory on it was uh, Levy thought he was a shoe in to be a starter his senior year. (laughs) 
<laughs> and all of a sudden, this rumor started circulating in North Palm Beach, Florida, yeah. about this kid by the name of Tim Scard, who was, who was the new kid coming in, oh. transferring in for a senior year, point guard, and was going to take us to the state championship. Now, hold on. Was he academically eligible, Roger? <laughs> uh, I, I, there may have been a little recruiting involved. Let's just put it that way. So, Mitch, were you a point guard? Um, yeah, what was your so, position? So, I was a point guard, and even to go back further, okay. my actually my best year, Roger may or may not remember it, because on certain times, even though Roger and I were the same year, we were on different teams. You were on the junior varsity as a junior, right? Isn't that right? You had to bring that up, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, the story is that my best year, for whatever that's worth, wasn't very good. But my best year of my four years mm-hmm. was my sophomore year on the junior varsity. Okay. I think, now Roger will probably shoot me down if I'm wrong. <laughs> I think I may have been the leading scorer in the entire school of all the teams my wow. sophomore year on the JV. And I played for a guy named, we played for a guy named Dick. You were on that team, right? D- Dick Ridgeway. Richard Ridgeway. I was not. I was not. I did not. I, I, I was. I was still practicing my golf game. I, I oh. joined the JV as a as a junior. Okay. So I was okay. not on that. Okay. Team. So I I was on the JV as a sophomore. Okay. I played for this coach that we loved, beloved history teacher Richard Ridgeway. His name was. May he rest in peace. Out of the University of North Carolina. I loved playing for him. Mm-hmm. He and I got along great. He gave me lots of freedom. I was the point guard, but I scored a lot of points. We had a probably not a very good. I don't remember who was on that team but I scored a lot of points and I think that some of the better sophomores were on the were on the varsity yeah so I was the you sophomore had, that was on the JV. So you had you a can, chance to shine that's a, bit. Right. Yeah, a little yeah. bit whatever shine I don't know what the leading score would have scored I probably scored what 12 or 14 points a game <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what it was then I become a junior right and I come off the bench yeah. And then I become a senior, and I expect, as Roger's telling the story, it's true, I expect, okay, my senior year, I'll be the starting point guard the way I was the starting point guard my sophomore year. It's just the natural progression. And they went out and they got this other kid who came in, and I was still on the bench. I was still the sixth or seventh, me, Gordon Seymour and I, right, Roger? We'd come off the bench, the sixth and seventh men. And until... An infamous night, a Friday night, which I believe, I think Roger and I disagree on this. You think it was 85, I think it was 84. December of 84, you think it was January of 85. It doesn't really matter. You pick up the story. Yeah, a week or two off. Yeah, Go, go ahead. Arch rival for the Benjamin School right. uh, was a school by the name of King's Academy. They they had our number when it came to basketball. How about for football? For whatever reason. Football too, right? Well, no, no. Football we were fine with. Glades Day was the was yeah. the rival, if you remember, on the football side. Right. They just had our number every year from a basketball perspective. And we typically had a home and away, and then they were in our district, so we typically would play them a third time in our, our district uh, tournament. Let me jump in so, and tell you, do you remember the name Heath Evans? A Seattle yes, Seahawk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm asking Hotshot. Yep. Hotshot. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Do you okay. remember a fullback by the name of Heath Evans for the Seahawks? Was he the maniac that hit himself in the head with the helmet and made himself bleed? No, that was that a different him? guy. Okay. That was a, I think that was a different guy. But he was a running back on the Seahawks. Yeah. He went on to the NFL Network. He yes. went to King's Academy. Oh, okay. This gotcha. guy, <laughs> not when we played. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. 30 years younger. Right. But he played. He came out of King's. He's the, probably the best player to ever come out of King's. Probably played basketball and football. For, and we just didn't like one another. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was not good. Okay, continue, Roger. 
Friday night away game at King's oh. Academy, um, oh. and this was our senior year. Get ugly. Um, so get obviously ugly. it was a big deal. <laughs> yep. uh, Levy was still coming off the bench. Yep. Uh, I was permanently on the bench. I never actually <laughs> had to come off the bench. Um, but uh, and and so we're in the locker room getting ready, and we had a dear coach who we loved. But uh, I didn't love him so much. I didn't love him so much. He didn't play me enough. But he he tended to take a little nip from the bottle when nobody was looking. (laughs) He was our literature. He was our literature teacher. Is that right? Yes. He was our literature teacher. I had him first period, and it was a little bit. He was he was still coming around typically in the morning. But (laughs) Dennis Hopper and Hoosiers. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But anyhow, and this um, is our big game. This is our marquee. This is a huge game. Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Kings Benjamin at their place we never played well there we sometimes played well against them at our place but remember their gym they had no stands on one side it was just a wall correct on one side you literally then- if you if you go out of bounds on the one side your head was gonna hit the wall i mean it was literally one step so out of all bounds. the fans were forced so. to sit on the same side on the side and it was oh, it was really geez. steep yes, and really trouble a lot of guys and we could never play in that gym it was such a different experience they had such a home court advantage on us okay and so we're in the we're in the locker room right Roger. Pre-game. Pre-game. The JV, JV is going on. Okay. JV game is going on, right? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch tended to have a problem with his ankles. He would sprain his ankles like every other week. <laughs> so typically would get taped before the game. Our coach would be the one that would tape uh, the ankles. For whatever reason, Levy was getting his ankle taped. And I thought at one point I heard him screaming. It was because he, our coach was taping his ankle so tight it was that, unbelievable. That the blood was getting cut off. Oh, and, gotcha. he was, and, and he was mumbling as he was doing it. We could all smell the liquor. Correct. Oh, jeez. It was, it was the biggest game that he would coach in all year. We could all smell the liquor. And he is just taping my – and all of a sudden, I remember him grumbling to the rest of the team who's sitting around like, I am so sick and tired of coming here and getting our asses kicked. I am so <laughs> tired of it. He taking that on your ankle? And he was taping my ankles. <laughs> and he was yeah. like really – wrapping my ankles and he used to bring do you remember he used to bring a bag of gum like a couple of packs of gum and he would pass it around in the locker room before games he says take the gum and he throws a bag a brown bag roger do you remember this he throws absolutely and there was like a hundred packs of gum packs of gum from like 7-eleven it was like the whole 7-eleven of gum was in this thing we were only 10 we were 10 guys he's throwing it and it was clear it was clear he was not in good shape okay and the and the jv game's going on and now what do we do go ahead roger go ahead so at, at, at whatever point he leaves the locker room, we're still getting ready, to, getting ready, getting dressed, getting ready for the game. And then he would typically come in as the JV game's winding down to come and give the pregame. Well, he didn't come back in. Right. And I remember waiting around, waiting around, thinking, what, what was going on here? <laughs> and eventually, and I believe, Mitch, this was, uh, this was uh, Mr. Ridgeway that came in. He did. Mr. Ridgeway, the, like? the JV coach, the, like. the assistant coach, the JV coach of the, the the head coach of the JV, assistant coach of the varsity. After the JV game just ended, right. he came in. We're waiting for Coach Allen to come in. He come and, and Ridgeway comes in first, and he says something like, "What, Roger?" He says, uh, "We've had an issue. <laughs> I'm coaching you tonight, and Levy, you're starting." No, that's not true. I did not start that game. 
I did not you start. start that game. I did not start that game. He came in. Okay, so you started he, after that. That's game. right. He came in and he said, "We've had a little issue. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be coaching this game." We went out in that game. We got killed. We got absolutely killed. Now we have our. We don't even have our coach. Right. He's he's not even in the gym. He's not in the gym. And fast forward, we never see him again. <laughs> really? Oh, well, well, Roger and I disagree. Roger <laughs> thinks that maybe many weeks or months later, he appeared back as a teacher, but he he disappeared. We never saw him on the basketball floor what? again. It's so weird. He, 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 when do you hear the kicker? He never he never <laughs> appeared on the basketball floor or at practices again. Richard Ridgway took over the head coaching job. Here's here's the answer to the question if I ever start. Right. <laughs> Richard Ridgway took over the head coaching job. This guy left. We didn't know. They didn't even say anything about him. We weren't allowed to know anything about him. Jeez. He wasn't in literature class. I think it, it, you you remember him coming back like later in the year after basketball yeah. season. What yeah, do you I What do you remember? Gone through some re- I think he'd gone through some rehab. Yep. He had gone through some rehab. And it started that night. And it started that <laughs> night. That was the last we ever saw him. Wow. Ridgeway, Coach Ridgeway, yeah. says for the next game, Mitch is my starting guard. Tim Scard on the bench. Mitch is my start, And I started every game the rest of the way. Now, uh, where was I going to go? Hey, by the that? way, Hot Shot Scott, do you notice how Levy wouldn't take credit for that loss? He didn't start in the loss. He started in all the rest of the game. That's right. He made well, that very clear, didn't I he? I started in the loss, the last loss of the year, the last <laughs> loss of our career, the last game we ever played, which happened to be against Kings yeah. in our district, in our in our gym. But what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Something just uh, popped into my mind. The kicker, we find out what, Roger, happened, what transpired Outside of the locker room in the King's gym, we found out later this is the way it went down, oh. how he got tossed and taken out, and we never saw him again, at least for weeks and months. Tell tell Hotshot what happened. Well, as I'm sure Mitch has told the story on air and his podcast many times, we happened to uh, go to school with a fairly famous professional golfer by the name of Jack Nicholas. Yeah. His son Gary played junior varsity, and, and Jack was great. He came to every game. Oh, wow. He was home or away. He was there. And I guess he was the one or one of the ones that uh, ran into our coach and smelled the alcohol. During the, the JV head. game. Oh. So, so, so Jack Nicholas is in the stands of this gym. During the JV game, Gary's playing. We're in the locker room. It yeah. becomes obvious that our coach is like falling over <clears throat> drunk. God. Nicholas comes down. Nicholas kind of made the rules of our of our school. He kind of he kind of ran the roost. Was he writing checks? That, <laughs> yes, that gave him many, that power. Yeah. Many, okay. many checks. <laughs> and apparently, as we found out, he came down, and that was it. Nicholas came down and said he's not to play. So Jack Nicholas <laughs> is the reason that I started. <laughs> The second half of my senior year. Your poor coach is taking some of that gum that he bought for his breath. Maybe he wouldn't have got caught. Now, now before you go, Roger, and I thank you for this. Before you go, they may be interested. He might be interested. In our, and fast forward now to the last game of the year. Last game of our careers. We're you've, seniors. You've started every game since the incident. I started every game since the incident. I don't know if I played very well, but I started every game since. Ridgeway liked me. If you remember, Roger, Eric Hathaway, our big guy, loved me because I would throw the ball to him. Yeah. Scar didn't you, throw the you, ball to him. You, I used to throw you, the ball to him. feed the post. I'd yep. feed the post. Yep. I just feed Eric Hathaway. Now, before okay. you continue, yeah. both of you, I'm curious what your, both your answers are. Who really was the better point guard? Were you a better point guard than the new kid, or was oh, he better? If you were the I'll coach, let, who would you have Roger, started? Roger, go ahead. Or I was it close? I don't know. I don't know. Roger, you go. So he, the, the other guy, 
was had the speed. Uh, Mitch was never known uh, for his speed, <laughs> but in terms of running the offense and certainly you know knocking down open shots, Mitch definitely was the guy. Okay, okay. so maybe he was so a little now, bit better athlete. So though. now you fa- yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. he was definitely a better athlete. Okay. He was on the football. He was a running, he was a running back. Yeah. So now you fast forward from like late December to March. Okay. And now we're into the districts. We're into the district tournament, and we're the best two teams, and it happens to be in our gym. Okay. Just fast forward to the very, very end. It's the sem- Somehow we're meeting in the semifinal on a Friday night. The final's on Saturday, uh-huh. and which is going to take you to the story that you remember. It's all intertwined because yeah. I've told you the Saturday night story. The Friday night we're playing for the right to go to the final, and whoever wins this game, as I recall, Roger, is going to win the final. We're playing a Trump team in the final. Correct. And I, I don't even remember why we met him in the final. It doesn't make any sense. So we play, and it's a, it's a, it's at our gym. It's the two rivals. Yeah. It's our senior year. It's craziness. And all I can remember is we're up like, now there's no three-point shot in these days. Oh, man. And we're up, I want to say, 11 with 45 seconds to go. Oh, it's over. Or 9 with 45 seconds to go. It was over. The game was over. Yeah. And we start, and I'm on the court, we start throwing the freaking ball away. And by the way, our two of our three best players are fouled out of the game. I don't know if you remember, Roger. Three of the guys, they're fouled out of the game. Okay, so Roger got to play. I don't know. Roger, were you in the game at the very end there? <laughs> no, okay. no. I, that, it would have taken a lot. They, How many we, guys they have probably to foul played, out? They would have played four without me. <laughs> so, they, so we're up like nine. Our guys have fouled out. Most, A lot of our guys have fouled out. And they just start stealing. They start pressing us. And they start stealing the ball. Nine goes to seven, goes oh, to five, God. goes to three, goes to one. And with three seconds to go, they steal another one. They put it in. They're up one. We've just blown the whole game. And and they had half the gym, and we had half the gym because it was districts. Right. So they and I and I remember people coming out of the stands, running out on onto our floor, yeah. and their team running out on. The, and we were just trying to get into the locker room. In fact, I can tell you, I took the final shot with one second to go, like from half court. I heaved it, yeah. air ball, and we're start running to oh. the we're running to the locker room to get out of the way because we've just now blown the game right Ridgeway can't believe it none of us can believe it their crowd is on the field and all uh, on the court and all of a sudden Roger we notice referees are calling us back onto the floor right yeah the referees got into a little bit of a huddle they got into a huddle about what was going on yeah in fact I think I I, want to go back and I made a mistake we were even and we actually down two we were down two right okay the last shot took him ahead by two and we just thought the game was over we're going to the locker room yeah and the, the guys are in a huddle. They call us back on the floor, and they announce that they are calling a technical foul on the bench of King's Academy for coming out onto the floor while I was taking the final shot. A heave. Their guys came out when they took the lead with three seconds to go. Their guys came out on the floor too early, and they called oh a technical God. foul, and they were awarding us two shots with oh. no time left. Two shots with no time so left. Who takes them? Who takes the anybody shot? we want? But our best players are on the floor now. I mean, on our, the bench, yeah. two, two. Well, they were big guys, so they weren't going to get the. So I was wondering, geez, am I getting the ball here yeah. at the free throw line? And he picked a guy named Steve Fisher. Do you recall, Roger? <laughs> yeah, Ridgeway. Ridgeway didn't like Mitch enough to let him shoot those two shots. 
Yeah, I'm telling you. Steve Fisher on the line. And yep. it took like five minutes to get everybody back into the stands. We all had to go to half oh court. God. Half of us were already in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. And Steve Fisher. Fisher has go, jeans on, for got, God's yeah, sake. He's jeans on. He's got flip flops on. <laughs> right. and, and, we, and our careers are over. We're crying. Our right, careers right. are over. And Fisher goes to the line after like seven minutes. Nobody has shot a shot. There's no warm ups. He's got to go to the line oh. and make two to send it in overtime. And he makes both of them. <laughs> really? He sinks That's both amazing. of them. amazing. He sinks both of them. I just could not believe it. Right. He sinks both of them. And we're going to OT. Oh, geez. But now all of our big guys are fouled out. Yeah. And we just get blown out in OT. And our careers are over. Yeah. Our careers we are didn't, over. I don't even think we scored in overtime. I don't I think remember. we did. I think we got lost like 11 right? nothing in overtime. Yeah. yeah. So, so what it, happened with all the all the steals in regulation? Where, if you're the point we were, guard, well, why no. are they stealing the ball like <laughs> I crazy? Don't rec- <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. You're going to you're gonna think I'm lying. I don't remember that it was me who was throwing the ball away. They right. were stealing. I, I could tell you who took the ball out, Roger, for the last one. <laughs> Let's call him out. <laughs> it was Gordon Seymour. Gordon Seymour took the ball out, out of bounds, and threw it away. We were not getting the ball inbounds to me. I mean, I, maybe I was not doing a good job getting open. Yeah. We couldn't get the ball inbounds. Okay. And it was frantic. And once it got away from us, it was yeah, just, we didn't, know what to do. we didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah. So Saturday night, we're supposed to be playing in the championship game. We're out. Our careers are over. Yeah. And we need something to do. Roger, tell Hotshot <laughs> what we decided to do on Saturday night since we didn't have a basketball game to play in. You know, we go from literally being up whatever it was, 10, 11 points with a minute, under a minute left, and then end up losing it, to standing out on the football field, I remember, after the, the locker room and crying and everybody realizing that it was the end, and saying to ourselves, you know, we got tickets to go see Eddie Murphy tomorrow night. Should we go or not? And I think we went, if I remember. Oh, that's that <laughs> show when you yelled and that interrupted the Eddie Murphy show. Yeah. <laughs> that's the night that wow. Roger, and there were four of us, as I recall. I can't remember who. I know Roger was there. We yeah. went down. We would not have gone, and we went down to Eddie Murphy. And that's the night I yelled to him, I'm sorry, Clint, I thought you were homosexual. The skit from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and he yeah. stopped and started la- that laugh. <gasps> that laugh. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. called me a true fan. It was my 15 seconds of fame. <laughs> but we would have never gone to that concert if it weren't for you the fact that we lost on the Friday I night. think you made the right choice of going to the concert, though. Going to see Eddie Murphy in his prime? Well, we would have rather played. We'd still be playing. True, yeah. <laughs> And by the way, Steve Fisher went on to coach Michigan, right? Same, oh, same Steve know. Fisher? I don't know. They're, they're talking about a reunion. That's another question, whether I should do the Zoom reunion. How many people were in our graduating class, Roger? 45, I believe. Okay. Ooh, slim pickings with the ladies. <laughs> 45. <laughs> it's time to venture out, right? 45. 45. Um, we had less ladies than, than men's only schools. <laughs> Uh, so, Roger, before we let you go and get on with uh, episode 90 here, do you, I know I, I give you the last word. Is there anything else that you want to share with Hotshot or sa- share with our listeners before we go? Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I, I was thinking about the fact that there was not a three-point shot and what Levy would have averaged if there had been a three-point <laughs> shot. He was he was a deadly marksman uh, from outside. Uh, no, now, that's but not the only true. Thing, that's not true. The only thing that I would just say about Mitch and his jump shot, he was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. 
Oh, a lot of arc. The arc on his shot, (laughs) I'm telling you, sometimes I could go out and get popcorn and come back in the gym. Since I was just sitting on the bench, I didn't have anything else to do. And the ball still wouldn't have come back down, either gone through the hooper or Roger, my friend Roger, who normally is not this kind, by the way. He's normally very, uh, is being overly kind. I was a much better shooter in my mind. Than I was on the court. I think most like, of us I, are, though. I'll bet you that my percentage was not very good. I probably was the best. Well, I don't know. Was did we have any three good? Good shoot. Paul Schmiel could sh- shoot it a little bit, but I don't remember anybody else. Joe maybe. Jackson. Joe Jackson. He could shoot it a little bit. Yeah. All right, Roger. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time, and thanks for filling in the uh, the gaps of the story. I appreciate Sounds it. Sounds good. Talk thanks, to you Dylan. soon. Good to meet you, Roger. So there you go. I told you it was a, it was an easy <laughs> answer, right? Did I start? The answer is no and then yes, but the story is complicated as to why I did or didn't start. Jack Nicholas is responsible for you <laughs> being a starting point guard in basketball. It's so kinda, weird. Sort of. Yeah. kind of. If it's true, if it was true, legend, right. legend has it that he was in the middle of it all because he was in the stands for the JV game. But I, I don't I don't know that to be 100% true. I don't know. I, I, all I know is that I was in the locker room, as we all are, and Ridgeway came in and said, I'm coaching tonight, and I never saw Paul. I never saw Coach <laughs> Allen again, just, at least the rest of the season. And he wasn't in class. He was just nowhere to be found. Yeah, just a Zero. different time when adults were adults, kids were kids, and you don't need to know about this. No internet, no, no texting, no nothing. No. And this guy that no. was in your life for three years is just gone. And it took about six weeks for me to get the tape off my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> I've had bad tape jobs, so I, oh. I, I've been to the point where oh. I've just taken it off. And- he was spitting. Oh. He was drooling. He was throwing gum at us. He was totally in <laughs> yeah. the bag for that game. It was beca- And I contend to this day, 35 years later, it was because of the opponent and where we were playing. If it were any other game, yeah. any other play, it was he got... He got, he got really worked up, worked and, up yeah. for the game against Kings. And he tried to cope with so it in they, the way he copes with so it. So there you go. There's Great the story. Evergreen Golf Call, our buddies, obviously watching the markets very carefully as we inch closer to reopening the economy. The Evergreen Private Wealth Management Division been managing families' money for decades with the goal of comfortable retirements for people all over the world. I've had experiences with other firms that really only want to know, do you meet their minimum? Tyler Hayes' team is different in that respect. Their client compatibility survey at evergreengolfcall.com is one of several ways that Evergreen listens and understands your unique situation before even the first conversation with you. Everyone's risk tolerance, time horizon, investment preferences, different. Evergreen's wealth consultant gets that information ahead of time so that he or she can tailor make an approach and strategy that's perfect for you and your family's needs. There are even times that Evergreen reaches out to prospective clients to let them know that their investment philosophies just don't align, and that's okay. Evergreengolfcall.com. It's a perfect place to start. Just click on its client compatibility survey and answer a few questions. No commitment, just a starting point. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest and beyond. Unfiltered. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. As episode 90 continues, our first ever TV theme song tournament is in the books and we have a champion. And it's not a real surprise that Cheers 
basically steamrolled the competition. And joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is the proud New Yorker who performed and co-wrote where everybody knows your name, Gary Portnoy. Gary, what a pleasure it is to have you on the podcast during these crazy times. I hope everybody in your world is okay. Hey, they are. Good to be here, and thank you for giving me something to do. <laughs> the, the song is 40 years old. It stands the test of time. And I sheepishly wonder if an accomplished songwriter and singer like yourself who's had a long career gets tired of telling the same story about one song in his portfolio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But you'll do it one more I mean, time for us. Yeah. You know, it's never the same. You know, it's always a little different. <laughs> I bet it, it'll, it'll be a little different. Uh, you know, coming from you, it'll be a little different. Uh, so go back. You're the co-writer, and you're doing yes. a New York musical at the time in the late 70s, early 80s. Tell the story. I'm a co-writer, and I'm doing a musical in, the, in 1982, and uh, some of the songs from the musical were being shopped around, I guess, to try and raise money yeah. to inv- for people to invest in the musical. And uh, somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and, and uh, the, the tape wound up on the desk of the Charles brothers, uh, Glenn and Les Charles, who were the writers and co-producers of Cheers. So, you know, my Grandpa Harry always said, uh, Destiny, the most... He, he would say... Gary, my boy, the most important word in the dictionary, fate, <laughs> destiny. So, so whatever. Somebody had, somebody had a, a guiding arm on that tape, and because of that, they, uh, they listened and they liked one of the songs on it for a show they were doing called Cheers. So they got in touch with us and, uh, and said, we want to use one of these songs for a theme song for this new show that we're going to be doing in the fall called Cheers. And you know, that was the beginning of a, a, a long psychodrama that mm-hmm. followed because we, we couldn't give them the song. It was, it was contractually tied to the musical, and the producers of the musical didn't care squat about a TV show that was going to be coming on called Cheers. So that's what happened. You know, mm-hmm. that was the genesis of that song. Um, what became of the musical, and should the uh, are the are the producers were they kicking themselves for many many years to come for not giving or selling the song to Cheers, this little TV show? No, called be, because you know by the vagaries of the music business and the theater business, they didn't own the song, oh. but they but but the song was contractually tied to their show. So in other words, they wouldn't have made a dime if it had been the theme to Cheers, but <laughs> but we would have. So it, it it was weird. They because it was written for their show, they had the right to uh, forbid us from taking it away from it. But they didn't actually own the song. I mean, that's too much information. But um, so no, I don't th- I don't think they kicked themselves at all. They weren't the type to kick themselves. You know, no no conscience. What became but, of the musical? Um, <laughs> it um, closed very. Quietly. It was called Preppies, right? It was, yes, yes. But if it wasn't for that show, you know, this song where everybody knows your name would never would would not exist because um, when they when the when the producers wouldn't let us take the song, we offered 
we said, well, can we write you another song for your, for your show, Cheers? So if it wasn't for that show, I, always, I console myself whenever I feel bad about what happened to that show. But if it wasn't for the show, right? you know. You're lucky the Charles brothers said after they were turned away for that song that they said, yes, go ahead. Try to write a yeah, – no, or, or were they saying that to a lot of different songwriters and performers? As far as I know, and it's kind of inexplicable, they never put it out to anybody else. And they liked us. And it's strange, too, because the song that they initially were interested in is nothing like the one that wound up being used. But they liked us. As far as I know, they never offered it to anybody else. Wow. Wow. And they could have gone to anybody they wanted. Sure. Um, yeah, no, they were amazing. They were they were amazing because, you know, we wrote another song, they turned it down. We wrote another song, they turned it down. And they kept they kept giving us space and relaxing us and and never and never gave anybody else a shot at it. It was truly amazing. Yeah. Especially since, you know, it doesn't you could get ten thousand songwriters to 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 write a song on spec for nothing. So, um, yeah, I'm really grateful to them. They're great people. And, uh, they, you know, it's that old cliche. They believed in us. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Gary, how old were you at the time? And what would you say, how would you characterize the state of your career at that moment? You had written some songs. I think I read for Dolly Parton, air supply, the the, the TV show fame, but what would you say? What would you say the, uh, the state of your career was when this thing happened for you? Very nervous and shaky because uh, I was 25. I had moved into the city and was uh, renting uh, an apartment based on the salary I was getting. I was a staff writer for a publishing company and they fired me. And so, you know, I had had some songs recorded by some, you know, famous people at the time. Well, still famous now, but um, but they hadn't been, uh, you know, hit singles. They were album cuts. So um, in terms of, I guess they didn't make the kind of money that my publisher wanted them to make. And, and they fired me. So I found myself quasi-broke in an apartment I couldn't afford. Wow and not wanting to move back into my parents' house and, you know, everything a 25-year-old would be feeling. So I was pretty, uh, maybe just short of desperate would be a good way to call it. I felt a little de- I felt a little desperate, you know. I felt a little desperate at, at that particular time. Uh, that, that, would, that would describe my situation so, at that so time. You, so you wrote a song called My Kind of People, Yes, and that yes, that yes. didn't work. They said no to no. that one. Then you wrote another one yes. called "Another Day," and the Cheers folks. Yeah, said, it's a nice song. Yeah, didn't they said nice no song. good. To, no, 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 they passed on that one too. They did. They and, did. They did. Yeah. And then, did you know? I mean, is it like the rain in Spain stays mainly on the? I got it. I think I got it. I mean, is it? Yeah. I I I think I did. I don't. I don't think Judy. I think I did. You know, it just was a feeling, and but it, you know, I I didn't know how they would respond. I I just felt that it was that was it. You know, if it was up to me, <laughs> but it wasn't, of course. But um, yeah, I I I'm not going to say I had no idea. I really uh, felt something. I felt something. But you know, it was so hectic, and time was getting tight, and it was hard to really, it was hard to really stop and assess anything. It was more like, you know, let's get it out there before someone swoops in and 
and writes another song, you know, writes yeah. another, right. you know, because now we were on like our fourth song or something, you know, and it was as much as it was incredible of them to let us keep going. They were getting under pressure too because sure. they needed a song. They had to, yeah, and they had to present to the network. So, yeah. So now, where everybody knows your name is born, you go to them, and they don't yes. like the first verse because it's too Boston, right? Correct. Yeah, too specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, yeah, because it was it, it dealt specifically with. Um, it was uh, singing the blues when the home teams lose. It's a crisis in your life. On the run, cause all your girlfriends wanna be your wife. And the laundry tickets in the wash. You know, it was very kind of, you know, things that could, and it was Sam Malone focused, I guess. And they liked it, but they just felt it was too regional and, and specific. So they said, um, get rid of it and come up with something more mm. universal and general. And, you know, I like the original ones myself. But wasn't going to say no. Was there, was, <laughs> were the Red Sox mentioned in the original one? Yes. Did I say home teams? I, it, I, it, it, yeah. Originally, it was singing the blues when the Red Sox lose. It's a crisis in your life. And then we took it upon ourselves to say, maybe that's too specific to Boston. I see. So we made it home teams, yeah. singing the blues when yeah. the home teams. So we were like, I guess we were already a little sensitive to the fact that it was, you know, Boston. So we changed it to home teams, but it didn't matter. Yeah. They, they were having none of it. And then it you, was, you, left the, you left them and you wanted to redo, you know, they liked the song, but you had to redo the first yeah. verse. And you're working with Judy, yeah. your co-writer, in, the tax, yeah. in a taxi cab on the way back to the studio? Well, polishing. You know, we, I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I do remember a cab ride polishing up. You know, we booked the studio time. Bef you know, we had them so close to liking a song that we booked the studio time before we actually did the work. Uh -huh. So we booked, the, we booked the studio and we started uptown and we were still working in the cab on the way down to the studio uh, to make sure we you know, got something out really fast. You know, I love the sound of the backup singers in the chorus. Okay. You must have had some great backup singers when you hit the chorus in that song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell everybody who the backup singers in that song at the chorus. Who are yeah, they? It's Gary, 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 and Gary. It's, um, it's six Garys, yeah, yeah. Is it six Garys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I was, so, you know, I, I've been doing that my whole, well, my whole life, but the whole time I was in the music business, that was sort of my thing. So this song was no different in, in that regard. And uh, I just layered myself on top of myself, which um, irritates people no end when they <laughs> license the song, when they license the recording. And, um, yeah. you know, they're like, we're, we're sending you a... a, 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 a a SAG, you know, screen actors, we're sending you a singer's contract for a scale. I said, that's, I say, that's fine, but just make sure it's each of the six singers gets scale. <laughs> and then they, they're like, what, what? Yeah, you want six times scale? I go, no, that would be, I said, that would be greedy and disgusting. I want scale for each of the six singers who sang on the song. I said, because if I had used five other people, you wouldn't be able to say, you know, you did a great job, but we're only paying Gary. So it's always a fun conversation whenever I deal with oh, that. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So yeah. it's chosen. It's aired. It transcends the show. It's been talked about for 50 years. Gary, what's so yeah. what's so good about the song? What's the hook? I like that. I, I kind of think the piano intro 
is huge yeah. in the song. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I think so, too. Uh, Ted Danson once said to Judy's daughter, he said, you know, we, we really didn't even have to come to work. If they just played that intro, people would have watched. So there is something about that intro, which I, ha I really have to credit Judy on that because we were just fooling around and, you know, she really heard something and edited it down. It was, we were just saying, we, we were saying this song is a ballad and it's soft. We got to do something to get people to come into their TV. Yeah. So I was doing, you know, we need the, we need the Queen's horns. We need da, 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 da. And, and Judy was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do that again. Da, but shorten it, shorten it, you know, da, and, and, and really heard something in there that I, I was just kidding. And so those, like those, coronet things got shortened down to that intro that uh, mm. really to this day is like a calling card of sorts so so that's definitely part of it mm. I, I don't know I'm hard-pressed to explain the whole phenomenon of that yeah other phenomenon. than other than you know it, it can be other than it's a lonely world and people seek to belong when my mother went to her first AA meeting which she picked randomly she walked in and they began every AA meeting singing that song. Mm. And this was 1984 or something when she told me that, you know, this, this drinking song, of course it was never a drinking song, but this drinking song being used in a AA mm. meeting. And I thought, you know, there seems to be a universe, <laughs> a wow. universality here because if you can cover those two bases at the same time, it probably relates to a lot of things. And over the years, that's what really has been. It's, it's just been like the sense of belonging yeah. and, uh, and lack of aloneness in a million different, I guess, con you know, a million different situations and contexts or whatever. You try to have every song you write be universal, but they're not. And, uh, and this one, I guess, is... The show is still on all the time in syndication and streaming service, yeah. and I don't want to get too personal, yeah. but I think yeah. people would be interested in our audiences. How do the royalties work? I mean, what determines yeah. the amount each yeah. time? When was that negotiated at the very beginning? You, I'm assuming yeah. you get paid every time that song plays, and it gets played all the time. Yeah. A lot of it's preset. It's not... it. it you, you negotiate originally that you're going to get paid, but the actual amounts, it, 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 it really depends on the plat, you know, if it's network television, local television, cable television, Spotify, streaming, you know, it, it, it's, I've never been able to figure, you know, you have to take a lot of it on good faith because, and then you get into foreign countries, you get, you know, you get these statements from Latvia and uh, <laughs> Romania and, you know, you kind of have to also take that on good faith because go try and find out what it – but so, so you, you know, you, you get paid obviously by how often it's played and where it's played. And I'm fortunate because whenever it's played, I also get paid as a singer, as a vocalist, so um, – as six vocalists as we <laughs> previously discussed. So, um, yeah, to, I mean to say that it's been a blessing – in my life would be a huge understatement. I think we owe you some money on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you probably do. <laughs> but we'll keep it we'll keep it between us. You know, hey, hey Gary, wasn't it on a Super Bowl com commercial a few years back? And it if was. It, and do it, they have to come yeah. to you? Who own, who owns the the song? Do you have to come to you to negotiate that with you? How does that work? Well, it's so funny because you know when something like that happens, I get 
an email from like someone I went to high school with, and they go, "You may, you should know, your song was just played on the Super Bowl." <laughs> as if, it, you know, I mean, I mean, it's very nice of them to alert me, but they, but those things are six months in the works because there's so many, you know, they they have to get the rights to the song from Sony yeah. ATV, who's now the pub, the publisher of the song. It used to be Paramount Pictures who produced Cheers, and then they were sold and so and then they have to get um if they want to use the recording from the show they have to get permission from CBS cuz they now own Cheers and then if they get the rights to the song and the rights to the recording they have to come to me and deal with the the vocal issue that you and I discussed a few minutes ago and we have to negotiate that so it it really is it's it's more complicated than your typical song cuz if you know, if it wasn't a TV show, you just have to get the publisher. Um, but it's a it's a multi pronged thing with with uh, Cheers, and then uh, and then at the last minute, I get to step in and have a tiny little bit of power for about five minutes. But it's a nice feeling, you know, for about about half a day. I I control the whole thing because they've all done all their work. And now they need but, you. And that you know, that's how that ha- you know that's how that happens. But yeah, it's a complicated. It's amazing it ever happens. But that's what. Uh, that's what happens. Gary, you went on to do other theme songs, Punky Brewster, Mr. I love the Mr. Belvedere, Leon Redbone one. Oh, uh, I think it's he awesome. Away recently. I, yeah, yeah, he did. I, I love that song. Um, I, yeah. I, I have to do the math real quickly. You're about 25 yeah. in 1980. That makes you about yeah. 65 now. 63. <laughs> it was 82. <laughs> when, was the la- when was the last time you performed the cheer song in front of an audience of some sort? There was a fundraiser in my where I live in Westchester for something called the Bedford Playhouse, and which was a movie theater playhouse thing that had fallen into disarray. And um, Paul Schaefer, who oh, lives yeah. up here oh, yeah. from you know, from David Letterman's band, yeah. was putting together um, a fundraiser to to get this theater put back together. So he got Glenn Close and. Um, Charles Palmentieri, I'm trying to think who else was there, Robert Klein, just a lot lot of people who live in the area. And a friend of mine reached out to me and I I said, no, I don't want to do do that. So um, I don't know what happened, but they wound up just inviting me as a guest. And then once I got there, I got pushed against a corner and browbeaten and intimidated and shamed. (laughs) So, so, I mean, it was, it was really awful. So finally, so, I I allowed them, you know, I said, I'll I'll do it. But I said, as long as you don't announce the name of the song before I do it, Uh it's a big weight to sing that song. So, (laughs) so I, 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 uh, at the very end of the show, they said, you know, we have somebody here. And so I went and I did it. And, you know, the reception was, you know, people were so, it was amazing. Everybody was singing along. And since nobody knows me or who I am, when I opened my mouth and start singing it, it was like, you know, this voice that they've been hearing for four decades and have no idea who it is. And all of a sudden I was sitting in front of them. So it was, it was actually turned out to be a beautiful moment. And I'm glad that they, yeah. they kind of, uh, you got a guitar nearby. We wouldn't, uh, object. I'm not going to get in the way yeah. of that, Gary. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you what I did. Um, I'll tell you, I, I've been getting so much mail about that song yeah. since this virus hit. Oh. I mean, I, I'm always getting mail about that song through my website. Lovely, lovely people from all around the world telling me what the. But in the past six weeks, I just was stunned. 
uh, people either finding comfort in the song or having like a wistful feeling to be able to be in their favorite bar again or something. So I <laughs> sat, I sat, I waited until I was old and bald and gray. Yeah. I sat down and I, 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 it took me two days, but I figured out how to record on my phone and I recorded a, a, sh- a video called uh, Gary Portnoy sings the Cheers theme in quarantine. Really? And and I put it on YouTube, but of course nobody knows it's there. I do now. I think I think two people. Well, you know, I wanted to share it with people, but I'm not the type. I wasn't going to go promote. You know, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. so nobody knows it's there. I think two or three people have seen it in the since since I put it up there, but. Um, but I, I, I wanted to, you know, I really, it's a little slower and sadder, I guess, befitting the time or whatever. But I wanted to, um, I wanted to do that and put it out there. So it, it is, it's on there. And um, I haven't watched it because I don't like looking at myself. I was so young when I did that song and now I'm so old. As long as I lower the key about three steps, I can still sing it. Can we play it? We can play it right, right off of YouTube. We'll play it right here on, a, on the podcast if that's okay. You can do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll figure out a way oh to do it. I'm about as technically oh savvy as you are, but That's you, know, what I'm you, you know, you tell me the story about you going to the function and playing it. It reminds me of a story yeah. that I've shared here on this show. When I was yeah. a kid in the 1980s, I went, and I believe it was Eddie Murphy. I went to see Eddie Murphy at the Sunrise Musical Theater in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And. Yeah. There was a, an opening act that none of us knew the name, and the guy came out with a guitar, and he wasn't very, I mean, he, he, let's put it this way. He wasn't befitting of an Eddie Murphy audience. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And he came out with a guitar, and he sang a few songs, and people were razzing him and yelling, we want Eddie, and all that stuff. Oh. And then all of a sudden, he said, before I go, let me sing a song that I did that you might remember, and it was Welcome yeah. Back, Cotter. Oh. It was John Sebastian singing oh, welcome back and everybody went crazy oh for the song God. it was great as if he didn't have 10 other amazing yeah. <laughs> songs well to answer your to answer your original question that is one of my well, I haven't asked it. Yeah. For, I haven't asked it to you while we were recording. I asked it to you oh, before we started. Okay. People don't know what we're talking about. So that's the way okay. I want to. That's the way I want to end. We did this bracket. You're the champion. Cheers is the yes. champion. Forty or fifty yes. years later, you're still going strong. What yes. you got to give me? And I know you did some other ones. You got to give me your non Gary Portnoy yes. faves in terms of TV theme songs. Which ones do you like? Yeah. I like Welcome Back, Cotter. Did you even have WKRP? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Oh, you did. Good, good. Because I think that's one of the great underrated, overlooked TV themes. Um, I mean, that song song moves me when I hear it because I I, I feel for the guy singing it. And, um, you know, I loved the Mary Tyler Moore theme. I thought that was just as wrapped its arms around you, which a good song will do. From my, you know, my... Those were all written when I was, you know, already writing songs myself or starting to. So those would, those are the three, and I'm dating myself because I have nothing from the, I have nothing from the um, '90s and. Uh, well, know. you, well, you, beat, course, you he, beat the Fresh Prince in the championship game, Gary. Well, that you know, I am cool. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm cool. But then there's the whole other stuff from my childhood, childhood, you know, with uh, Andy Griffith show. Sure. And uh, when I was a, a young toddler, first discovering TV themes and, and wanting to write one one day. So there was that, that whole group of stuff. Oh, so I'm cool. A very, a very quick story. You don't have to, I, I assume you can edit this out. 
but um, a guy a guy that I wrote with, Erwin Levine, great songwriter, wrote a lot of hits, but they weren't respected at the time he wrote them. He wrote uh, Knock Three Times on the Ceiling If You Want Me. He wrote Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round, a hugely oh. successful songwriter yeah. who always felt, you know, unappreciated. And, uh, you know, one day he was with his daughters in a pizza place and somebody, oh, they, oh, they put Knock Three Times on the jukebox and everyone in the place started mocking it. In front of his kids, you know. So anyway, a few years back, I'm walking in Manhattan in New York. The traffic is stopped on 57th Street, bumper to bumper. And all of a sudden, I hear knock three times, blasting in the middle. And I look, and there's this really, really, really cool black guy in a Jaguar with the top down. And he's playing knock three times. And and I just looked up the sky, up to the sky. I said, Erwin, you are cool. You are cool. There's a guy in a Jaguar with dreadlocks, and he's, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> so I beat, Irwin's cool, and I beat the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So this is a, this is a good week. <laughs> oh, it's a good week. You're terrific, Gary. Thank you so yeah. much. I hope uh, you remain well and your family remains well. What a yes. great privilege and a great treat it was to visit with you here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. You're very easy to talk to, which is good. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. sings the Cheers theme song in quarantine on YouTube, a song that might even be better today than it was 40 years ago, and the winner of the Mitch Unfiltered TV theme song tournament. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is the president of Zeke's Pizza, Dan Black. Dan, how's everything going at Zeke's? Things are going well. Seattle has discovered that they can get beer delivered to their doorstep and that Zeke's is the best at it. You know, we're doing quite a bit better than we would have expected this time when all this stuff hit. Talk to us about that. What makes what you guys do so different than everybody else? You know, we're known for having one of the best beer lineups in the Northwest uh, and not just for a pizza place, just, you know, one of the best beer lineups, period. And, um, you know, we've delivered beer for a while. It's always been popular. One of the things that has happened during all this is that the Liquor Control Board loosen some restrictions so we can actually deliver draft beer now. Uh, that great beer lineup is something that is now accessible to everybody in Seattle to get delivered to their door and has just been extremely popular, you know, to the point where we've almost run the Northwest out of growlers at this point. And so um, we feel fortunate that 
again, when we talked last time, we were going to rally around our delivery and takeout business, and that's what's happened. And um, our position in beer has just turbocharged all of that. Hey, Dan, how about the faces on healthcare workers across the Northwest as we continue to deliver Zeke's Pizza as a small thank you? No, I, I got to tell you, I'm glad you brought that up because that has been the coolest thing going through all of this. I mean, of course, we feel fortunate to, um, again, have enough business to rally through. Um, there's been a lot of places worse off than us, but I will tell you that the thing that has got our stoke going the most here, Mitch, is all the stuff that you've been doing. We get turbocharged on all the picks that you've been sending around, and we just feel we feel a overwhelming sense of community, and it's really cool. You're the one being generous and thoughtful here, but we feel really good that we're playing a part in it. It's been really cool for us over here, so we appreciate it. So if anybody wants to order some pizza and beer for themselves or if they want to order some pizza and send it to a healthcare worker or a friend or a loved one, remind everybody the two or three ways that they can do that, Dan. The best way is the app. It's really easy. It's going to ask you for an email and a password, but after that you have pizza and beer at your fingertips for the rest of your life, so the app is definitely the best way to go. Online at Zeke'sPizza.com is good. If you do want to talk to a really great crew member that will be super helpful, 206-285-8646 will get it done. We love Zeke's Pizza, always have, and their beer, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. We're focusing our efforts right now on trying to to determine what's the best model to bring student athletes back and get them re-socialized, get them uh, their training level and their fitness level up to where they can recompete, get re-engage, you know, safely. You know, as the days creep along and we all long for sports and a return to some sort of normalcy, we can't help but wonder when. And how Kansas State Athletic Director Gene Taylor is gracious enough to join us here on Mitch Unfiltered. How's everyone doing in Manhattan, Kansas, Gene? Well, Mitch, first of all, it's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me on. I hope everybody in the Seattle area is doing well. You know, we're doing fine. Um, you know, we're one of the parts of the country that, at least where we are, Kansas City and Wichita are a little, having a little tougher deals, and we've got some folks out west, but in the Manhattan, part of the country, or part of the state, we're doing pretty well. So uh, we're hanging in there and getting through it. Spring sports, Gene, washed out confusion and uncertainty about senior athletes that want to come back. We'll get to that in a moment. But now we're all fearful that college and pro football are in jeopardy of being delayed at best and canceled at worst. I know that uh, you guys in the Big 12 have laid out, what, seven options, some a bit crazier than others. Where's your head on this? <laughs> You know, I just what I enjoy is the fact that we're talking about trying to figure something out for football. You know, our our athletes, our fall sport athletes, and particularly when we're talking football, they're just so ready to come back, and they so want something positive to hang on to. That I think the, it's good that we are talking about a football season, whether it's a full twelve game season that starts normal time, which I think is a long shot, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, there's also a 12-game season that could start as late as September 19th or 24th and go into December, which I like that one as well. Uh, <clears throat> one of the other seven options is a conference-only uh, decision, uh, which would be starting like in late September, early October, and only playing a conference schedule, uh, which would uh, end with a conference championship game. So all of those are, in my opinion, um, really good options 
when you start getting into the crazy ones, which uh, again, they're everything. We, we, the good news is we all want to play a football game yeah. or a football season. Yeah. Uh, the one that gets a little dicey is the split season where you start in the fall and, you know, you finish in January or some even have was starting in January, which I can't believe we could do that with some parts of the country. Um, and then there's one that has a start in March and ended in May, which again is a little challenging because the NFL draft. So, the good news is we're trying to figure out a way to play a football season. And to me, that's the most important thing. Gene, is everyone on the same page about players needing six full weeks to safely get ready to start a football season? You know, for the most part, there's been some other, I mean, there's been some uh, scenarios where I've seen eight or seven, but uh, when we, we just literally had a conversation with our coaches and ADs uh, this week earlier, and most of them feel pretty comfortable with a six week return to play scenario. The first two weeks being primarily conditioning, running with your strength coach, a little, maybe some walkthroughs with seven on seven. Uh, the next three weeks, kind of a normal camp, uh, fall camp kind of scenario with pads and everything. Maybe you give them a second practice a few days a week with walkthrough, and then your final week would be your week of preparation for the game. So I think everybody feels pretty confident that that would be safe effective and get the kids ready to play a, a, a decent, uh, fo- well, really a, a normal football season. You mentioned all the options, some of which include conference-only games, Gene. What kind of synergy needs there to be between all the conferences? I mean, what happens if the Big 12 and SEC disagree or the Big 10? What happens if the major conferences don't all agree on what's best for the season? That's a great question. And, I, you know, right now, up until this point, we've been – Really on the same page. We know we're, we, in terms of when we were, we all canceled spring football. We all said all our athletes have to stay away from our facilities until May 31st. As states become, get to a point where they're starting to return different dates, I, I worry about people want to get anxious about that. But when it comes to playing the football season, I think the 10 conference commissioners and the, you know, from the various, not only Power Five, but non Power Five, are going to try to be on the same page as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Where it gets a little dicey is if all of a sudden Kansas can't play their first three games, but Oklahoma and Texas can. Right, right. And that's three three games of revenue. Everybody's going to be like, eh. That's where it gets a little dicey where there might be some cracks in the, in the togetherness. Not only revenue, but how about bowl decisions? Are we talking about playing bowl games? And how do we decide who gets into those bowl games if some teams are playing more games than others? And how about the playoff committee? It's already a mess every year, the playoff committee. <laughs> Could you imagine the, the uh, who wants to be on that playoff committee if you have to make some decisions? Uh, well, I, I think that's where commissioners and ADs will – try to at least come together and say, okay, if you play more games than Kansas, let's say Oklahoma State plays, you know, or Oklahoma plays 10 games and we play nine or they play 11 and we play nine, that those are just revenue games and they don't count. Uh, we have to come up with something that your conference is what, what matters towards playoffs, what matters towards bowl games, what matters towards mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. I, my concern is how many bowl games are going to survive this whether it's this year or in the future. Right. Um, and, and, and that, I think, is a, you know, whether we decide that today or not, but I think we'll come up with a scenario that even if some teams play more than others, 
they'll boil it down to conference play, conference championships, and determine who goes in the playoffs from there. Gene Taylor is the athletic director of Kansas State. He's nice enough to be with us here for a few moments on Mitch Unfiltered. Gene, in one of those options that you mentioned where football season is pushed into a 2021 start or well into 2021, am I right? We would be having football and basketball seasons happening simultaneously, and what kind of a – what kind of a complexity is that? Well, you know, I think it could be uh, a challenge, but the good news is I think you could do enough with the schedule as long as we know in advance that you stay away from playing basketball games on Saturdays. You move, we, we, you know, we play every day of the week at this point. Yeah. And I think you could find an easy enough scenario where you could avoid Saturdays for basketball games. So say, for instance, Kansas State's got a home basketball game on home football game on a Saturday in March or, you know, February, you just don't play a basketball game. You play Thursday, Sunday, or Friday, Monday, or whatever the case may be. Um, now, that's just me talking off the top of my head. I haven't looked at it. You know, the good news is, again, most of us don't have conflicts with our football stadiums. But most of them across the country are football only. So I think you could work it out. It would be clunky, and it wouldn't be the best-case scenario, but – I think our fans and our players want to play football or we need it from the revenue the perspective is scary if we don't play football, the lack of that revenue. Right. I think we'd find a way to work together and get through it. I really do. What, what about fans' involvement? Is there a reasonable and practical way that we could retrofit stadiums in order to adhere to whatever is being required at the time by health officials? Or is it an all-or-nothing, practically speaking, type of thing? Either we're letting fans in or we're not letting fans in. You know, that's a great question. I literally, this week, I saw, I wasn't in a meeting, but I saw a, a PowerPoint of an architecture firm, a sport architecture firm that's looking at ways to, and it was, it was primarily focused on football, to where you could social distance within a stadium, I don't know how, you know, if it really pan out, but, or you could only sell tickets in certain areas and give everybody, you know, two or three rows between them, or you could have six people together. Like you can maybe sell a family, those six seats, but there wouldn't be anybody. It's a, it's a unique first time I saw, I didn't really study it Mm -hmm. in depth, Mm -hmm. but it was the first time I've seen that we have sports architecture firms working with universities saying, okay, if you go to a limited fan base or, you have to do social distancing. Here's how some here's some ideas. Everything from seating to gate entrances to concessions. They're reviewing that, and you know I, I imagine they can figure something out. But uh, we need fans in one way, shape, or another if we can, and we need to play football because we need the TV revenue. Sure. Before we finish up, Gene, guys like me. Uh, we're pounding our fist after we lost spring sports. Give these athletes another chance. Give the seniors another chance. I know that's easier said than done. I'm wondering now that we're a few weeks and months removed, the fallout of that NCAA granting spring seniors that extra year of eligibility if they desire. I know that makes your world quite the challenge. Scholarships, money, coaches' decisions on who to welcome back and who not to welcome back. Give us kind of an update at least from a Kansas State perspective. You know, from where we are, we're, we're fine moving forward. And again, I, I, I say everything with a asterisk or a caveat of if we have football or don't. If we have football, we feel we can support those spring sport athletes coming back from a financial perspective. In our case, because we don't have a large number of sports, you know, it's only about a $200,000 additional amount of money that we'd have to come up with. 
which is, an, you know, you've seen some that are 750 and 500,000. Those are big numbers because they have either more sports or more senior yeah. athletes that would return. Right. The biggest concern is if we don't have football or fall sports, we've now opened that up for those athletes and that number gets really big in terms of my, you know, in terms of, okay, we offered it for the spring sports. Are you going to deny the fall sports if you don't play a football season? No. Now, whether how many would come back, who knows, but that's the precedence you've set by allowing the spring so sports you, if we don't have fall. So you've said to your spring athletes, your seniors that have voiced a desire to come back, Gene, you've said to them, we'll have you back, but you got to wait. we got to put you on hold until we see that we have a college football season and the revenue that college football season provides us as a university. We have, and, and we've kind of given them kind of a time frame that we'll know by summertime where you have a chance to you know, register classes now, plan on coming back. If something changes, we'll let you know, and I see. You, hopefully you'll have options that you haven't lost. And if for some reason some athlete goes, you know, I, I know I can't play, but, man, I turned down a job. I need the scholarship. We may have to make some exceptions to right, that. Right, Gene, I know that we can all agree on one thing. We want to play. We want sports back. We want football. We want college football, but we also want to be safe and make sure that that everybody involved, both the athletes and the programs and the fans, are all safe and sound. So hopefully as we continue on in these next weeks and months, we can all figure out a good plan and celebrate the return of some sort of normalcy. It's great to visit with you, Gene. Thank you so much for a few minutes of your time here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate it being on, and you're right. It's not going to be AD's decision. It's going to be health professionals and people that really know what they're doing to make those final decisions. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's the Kansas State Athletic Director Gene Taylor after a sizable meeting with the Big 12. He's encouraged that college football will be played this season more a matter of when and how than if. Only conference games, late start, waiting till 2021 and playing at the same time as hoops. All of these are on the table and under consideration. Where would Mitch Unfiltered be without partners like Daniels Broiler? Not very far is the answer. And you don't need me to tell you that we must support local businesses and families like the Schwartz family during these times. It's vital. The same family that owns and operates Daniels also has Schwartz Brothers Bakery and Brenner Brothers Bakery, known since 1903 for their traditional bagels and rye bread. Founded in 1973 to make pies and other desserts for their restaurants, Schwartz Brothers Bakery now offers a delicious selection of fresh breads, bagels, dinner rolls, hamburger hot dog buns, as well as pastries like cinnamon rolls and coffee cake and Danish, and so much more at QFC, Fred Meyer, Safeway, Albertsons, Metropolitan Market, PCC, and other local supermarkets. For a limited time, you can also find Schwartz Brothers Bakery, Frosted Shortbread Cookies, and Lemon Bars at select Costco warehouses. Schwartz Brothers and Brenner Brothers, proud to continue to provide the community with bread and essential baked goods during these challenging times. It allows them to keep many of their team members employed and look forward to the day when Daniel's Broiler locations can reopen and those valuable team members can come back to work. Daniel's Broiler, Schwartz Brothers Bakery, and Brenner Brothers Bakery, staples of the Northwest community forever. Unfiltered.
never expected in a million years that the Los Angeles Lakers, which I'm a big fan of the team, but I'm not a big fan of the fact that they took a $4.6 million loan. I think that's outrageous, and I'm glad they've returned it or they would have had liability. You know, the national reaction to the Los Angeles Lakers applying for and receiving a small business loan from the stimulus package in the midst of this pandemic has drawn a great deal of reaction from chuckles to outrage. Now the team has returned the money, but still. Here's NBC Pro Basketball writer Dan Feldman, NBCSports.com. Dan, thanks for being on the uh, the podcast. Thanks for having me. A $4.6 million forgivable loan to pay its employees. Imagine that. You know, we don't have to imagine because to me, the most (laughs) startling part of all of this, they were granted it. You know, this is a new program. It's confusing. It's not clear who qualifies and why. There's a lot going on. But where are any safeguards of why were they granted it? Like if they thought, okay, maybe this does apply to us. Small business is such a nebulous term. Everybody has a certain idea of what it is, but how it's implemented is often very different. And so if they said, hey, you know what, maybe we are a small business. If they didn't qualify, why did nobody stop them before they returned it? I I don't even want to say on their own because I don't know if it was on their own or whether they were found out and then returned it. Mm. Did any of the other teams, other NBA teams or other professional franchises apply for such a loan that you know of, Dan? Uh, According to Darren Rovell, he says no other NBA team did. So that certainly reflects poorly on the Lakers, right? Like if they were the only one that thought this, as much as I think this is confusing and, and, you know, who knows exactly who qualifies. And I think those are fair questions. If the Lakers were the only one, that does not look good for them. It does. It makes Jeannie Buss look bad, the family, the rest of the NBA. I mean, it's its flagship and most valuable franchise of all the NBA teams to do this. The Los Angeles Lakers, I would imagine Adam Silver was as irate as he can ever get over something like this. He should have been contacted. I would imagine league offices should have been a part of this before this application went through. You know, you mentioned Lakers as one of the most valuable franchises in the NBA. Imagine if this were another team. Lakers fans are proud of that. They're proud to be this prestige franchise. They would have made fun of other teams for being so poor that they felt they needed to do it. Like they are the rich franchise, the the prestigious franchise, all of those things. And it's them who are applying. That's ooh. not good. Are you enjoying the uh, the Jordan series? I read your piece about what actually happened when Jordan had to retrieve Dennis Rodman from his apartment. The show made it seem the other night like it went. He went to Vegas to get Dennis Rodman out of a hotel room. Yeah, and so the the director went on and clarified, no, actually, I was back in Chicago. Dennis had returned from Vegas, uh, but he was still hanging out in his Chicago apartment, which was right near the practice. They just went across the street and got him. Not quite as dramatic as Jordan going to Vegas. Still a good story. uh, Still one worth including. I've enjoyed the documentary. It's not a ton of new ground. I've heard a couple complaints that I think are are both valid. Uh, One, that you know Michael Jordan is involved in making this, and so it's a somewhat biased look at a lot of it through his lens, and that's true, and I'm glad we all know that, right? Nobody's hiding uh, his involvement in this, so we can evaluate it uh, based on knowing that. And then the other is the timeline jumps around, so I do feel for people who are not big NBA fans, who are interested in this, who don't know the the backstory already, who are having a little bit of trouble following. For anybody who's an NBA fan, though, and already knows the major outline, it's just a really nice look inside of all of these stories that you knew. It's presented well, the music's 
excellent. Uh, the visuals are great. It's well told. So in that sense, it's very enjoyable. Dan, in your heart, do you think that Isaiah Thomas was left off the dream team because of that snub at the end of the Bulls series? Or do you think that he just did not make the team organically? You know, I think there was a reasonable case for him not to make the team. Uh, a few players, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and probably Michael Jordan made it because they had been so great in their careers. Isaiah Thomas wasn't quite on that level. Everybody else made it uh, based at least in part on how good they were at that moment. Again, Isaiah Thomas wasn't quite at that level. He would have been a very reasonable inclusion, though, because he was nearly as good as the all-time greats and nearly as good at the moment as the guys who made it for how good they were in 1991, 1992. So he was right on the edge, I think. Uh, But I do think the politics came into it. Whether it was specifically Jordan saying, I don't want Isaiah Thomas on the Dream Team, maybe. Or it could have been something like, hey, USA Basketball has this sense, uh, or the organization, I guess, at the time that was playing this team together, has this sense of, Jordan doesn't want to play with Isaiah. We need Jordan. Let's not even make this an issue. Let's nip this in the bud. Let's not put Isaiah and let's, let's pitch Jordan on that. Let's tell him, please participate. Uh, we'll go out of our way ahead of time. Maybe that's what Jordan, I, I'm sure that's what Jordan wanted. I'm sure Jordan did not want to play with Isaiah. Would he have played with Isaiah? Maybe, maybe not. It's possible he was never put in that position. Uh, so I definitely think the politics somewhere in there factored. Uh, mm-hmm. But even if they hadn't, there's a chance they wouldn't have been on the Dream Team anyway. He's the uh, the writer or the NBA writer for NBCSports.com, Dan Feldman. Dan, what do you think is going to happen? There's some momentum, some forward momentum to the Disney World idea if the testing thing works out and there's no PR issue to accumulating all those tests. There have been reports that some executives and agents are pushing for cancellation of the NBA season. Look into your crystal ball. How's this all going to play out? Are we going to have an NBA postseason, do you think? I think so at some point. I mean, to me, and I'm not sure the NBA is on this page, but they gradually seem to be getting there. To me all along, I've said, why cancel the postseason? At some point, it's going to be safe to return to play basketball in some form. At that point, why not go straight into the postseason? Maybe you need some small lead-up to get everybody in shape. Uh, you can finish a portion of the regular season or do a play in tournament or whatever. But why should the immediate goal not be build up toward the postseason? That's what people want to watch. That's when you make your most revenue. You spent this whole regular season building toward the playoffs. Play out the playoffs. You can start next regular season a few months after that whenever you want. The calendar is probably going to be thrown off for a little bit here. No matter what, you might as well get in the playoffs. So you think don't go with the Disney World thing and do it early. Wait, 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 wait. And even if it's, I don't know, the end of the summer, August, September, when the when the next season is approaching, wait till then and actually do it the right way. Oh no no no! I think the the playoffs are going to have to most likely happen at a centralized location like Disney World. Uh, that'll be the first place you can do it. I just mean do the postseason as opposed to starting a new regular season. Finish out the season. Okay. What about next year? When would we start next year if if this if this postseason kind of lingers into the summertime into the summertime months? If it goes until the summertime, which I think is maybe an optimistic take, it could be even longer. But let's say it goes in the summertime, you take a few months off, maybe you start next season, in December, January, January yeah. February, or whatever it takes. You play it when it does. Maybe you have to shorten next regular season, and you gradually move back toward your normal calendar. Maybe you shave a month off each off season. Maybe you play a 70-game season for a few years even until you shift back to where you want to be. You don't have to make it all up all at once. But to me, the big thing is, you make so much money in the playoffs, yeah. don't cancel the playoffs. All right, so if Dan Feldman gets his wish, last question, 
Who will win it? Yeah, I think I'd go with the Clippers. Uh, they have the high-end talent with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a deep supporting cast, guys who can play together, guys who play a style that can work in the playoffs. But the, the Lakers and Bucks are certainly right there, and I think there are a handful of other teams with at least a fighting chance. We just want to see it. Man, we've been building so long for Lakers-Clippers and then Bucks versus the winner of that series. Yeah. Like, It would be so disappointing to miss out on seeing those because I don't know how it's going to go. you got three excellent teams that look poised to be even better in the playoffs. So wait, 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 as long as you have to wait and then go into a contained area like Disney World and get it done, even if it means starting the thing in August or September. Just make sure you finish what we started. That's Dan Feldman's message to Adam Silver and the NBA, right? Even if it means waiting until next March. I mean, I don't know when it's going to be safe to do, but whenever it is, yeah, get going into the playoffs and finish out the season. That is the way to maximize revenue, and it's going to take a lot of compromise. There are going to be complications with that, but everybody involved, owners, players, have this shared incentive to maximize revenue, and I think that's the best way to do it. Dan Feldman is the writer, the NBA writer on NBC Sports, You can also follow him on Twitter at Dan Feldman, D-A-N-F-E-L-D-M-A-N, N-B-A on Twitter. Dan, thank you. Stay safe and appreciate you joining us on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks for having me. NBCSports.com, Dan Feldman, a preposterous story of the Los Angeles Lakers being the only NBA franchise or any other sport that I know of to ask for and receive a small business loan from the government in the stimulus package, $4.4 million to pay employees. This is an organization worth $5 billion. On the phone with Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. I know it's a strange and scary time, Jordan. You guys are open, right? You're an essential business? Mitch, that is correct. We are an essential business, being the financial sector, housing sector, and we are all still fully operational, my entire uh, staff and team, whether we're working from home or uh, socially distancing ourselves and locking ourselves in the offices. We're all still working and serving our clients here. Opportunities for our our listeners that want to look at either purchase or refinance. I know it's uh, the last thing on a lot of people's minds right now, but for those that are thinking about it, what can they find at the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage? Opportunities are still great, both for refinancing and buying. The Fed is committed to keeping rates low throughout uh, this pandemic, as well as long after to ensure a full, robust recovery. Definitely opportunities right now on home buying uh, as far as a decent amount of inventory hitting the market and potentially getting good deals there. For anybody that currently does not own and has been thinking about it, we're happy to run uh, rent versus own calculators for you and see kind of what your tax liabilities are and also the financial benefits of owning a home, whether primary or investment property. If we're in the market or we're in the market for a refi, we should look at our numbers on our outstanding loan, our current loan. What should we be looking for? What numbers are available to us through you guys? Absolutely. I'd say anybody right now that's considering refinancing, we're taking care of uh, clients removing their mortgage insurance. We are helping people with cash out refinances to consolidate debt or do home improvements. Really anything in the high threes to low fours and above certainly would would be of interest in taking a look at what refinance numbers look like for them right now. Jordan, what about all the people out there that are having trouble making their payments during this insanity? So with that stimulus package, the CARES Act, they are allowing customers to apply for forbearance if they qualify. 
up to six months and then extend to 12. What they need to know, there's, there's information on the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau website, the CFPB website, as well as um, they need to be reaching out to their servicers to figure out what they are eligible for if they need to. If they can make their mortgage payments, they need to keep doing that. Uh, but as a last case solution for anybody that's hit by these times, um, there are options for them, but they need to understand what those options are. If they're not getting their debt wiped out or forgiven. It's simply moving the payments, and they need to understand that. 425-250-3150. That's 425-250-3150. Jordan Flowers' team, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment. I hope everybody enjoyed the Gary Portnoy interview ah uh, yes creator and performer of the song the champion we had the champion hey you got to interview the champion after you, you have a tournament like this no right? question about it i hope everybody enjoyed it i know you haven't heard it yet as the as we record this but you're going to listen to it and you'll report back to us on 90p i had so much fun interviewing gary portnoy and the other three guests that were on the other two guests that were on episode 90 i've yeah. since gone and watched a video of gary portnoy performing it oh and it sounds amazing he still sounds great he did it nobody knows and you, you you'll hear this on the interview but people have already maybe heard the interview um yeah gary portnoy in quarantine 38 years after he originally did the song he does it again Kind of an unplugged, yeah. Whatever, whatever. Him and his keyboard, he yeah. sounded, him and his sounded keyboard. great to me. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. I thought so. Anyway, what do you got? What do you got that you want to close with before we name this sucker? Well, apparently Texas A&M intends to reopen its eleven university campuses for the fall semester and be ready for football. Um, but a lot of people are thinking, who are you going to play? It's, are you sure everyone else is on the same page? No. And is this a little reckless? Is what people are wondering on Twitter and on the internet. But they're they're ready to go. They're ready to open. <sighs> Here we go. Are they going to be playing themselves? Like I don't I think that they're making – I think the choice is being made for them as opposed to the other way around in terms of playing. Yeah. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. But I was encouraged by the interview that I did on this show with the uh, Kansas State athletic director who says he thinks they're going to play football. Just a matter of – it's not a question of if. It's a question of how they're going to do it. Is it going to be a shortened season? Is it going to be delayed? Are we going to wait till 2021 to play? He thinks that – you know, and he's right that – College football runs the day, rules the day, yeah. right? There's just so much money to be lost that they will do, colleges will do just about anything to play the college football season. So that if that means literally starting in January or February. Oh, right in college basketball right too. In, they play college basketball during the week oh. and they play college football on the weekends. Let's go. They will jump. You talk about jumping through hoops. College yeah. football and college administrators and athletic uh, chairmen, they will play college football if it's the last thing they do. <laughs> they have to go to Mars. Yes, they will. There's just so much money involved, yeah. TV money, whatever. Get, you know, They may not get a lot of gate money, but TV money and bowl money and playoff money. There's just way It funds all of the other sure. sports. So they're going to play college football. Just a question of, that, question of how and, and, and when, right? All right. You see the video of Mike Tyson at 53 by, by chance? This was making the rounds. Mike Tyson, 53 years old. Throwing a few punches to a guy and one of these, like a trainer in no, the bu- no. Holy crap! We still gotta, got it. We got to put it on the Facebook page. Okay, because you know he, he I haven't seen it yet. He gained a little bit of weight at yeah. one point and look. Yeah. He looks thick still, but he looks like he's in better shape. I wouldn't fight Mike Tyson 
at 53 for no. anything. No. You got to see because this video. Because if you land even a couple, he'll bite your ear, take your ear right off. <laughs> even if, yeah, that's true. You happen to land a couple, he's not going to lose yeah, one way or the other. Let's say you are, you do happen to be, but it's just bam, 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 bam. And that doesn't surprise you, though, does it? 53, though, I mean. But still, you remember? Uh, oh, yeah, I remember. He was my world heavy, he was my heavyweight champion. Michael Spinks? What about uh, the Carl, Trevor Burbick? Carl the Truth Williams? Well, Carl the Truth Williams gave him trouble, I thought. 90, no? 91 seconds. If you, oh, want 91 to call seconds? That, if you want to call that trouble. Oh, no, then I'm thinking of somebody else. Carl the Truth Williams. I, I remember Trevor Burbick doing a dance. <laughs> well, then he tried to get back up. Yeah, tried to get his, and it's like, just yeah. stop, please. But Michael Spinks was supposed to give him a good, good and it was the fight of the century or whatever right. yeah, and he yeah. lasts like 65 seconds and he he got knocked through the ropes and he got up and his eyes were like yeah, oh yeah. my god i know Tyson. what he used to do to people he had beaten you before the the first bell though right yeah he was intimidating oh it's yeah. complete the fight was over before the belt the first bell even these guys were so scared of him yeah and then buster came along and everything changed then don it never was the same well i think don king came along he got rid of rooney what was rooney's first name kevin uh, kevin rooney kevin rooney Slip well, and hook. Slip well and hook. He, yeah he was the uh he was the trainer but um uh there was a it was a partnership I'm trying to remember the two guys names that kind of brought him yeah from the streets and into that's the, right yeah lou, lou duva was no. in his life. Were you talking about the guy who owned all the boxing videos talking and film? Talking about Jacobs. One of them's name is Jacobs, and the other one was named um, his his the guy that he considers his dad. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Died early. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. White-haired man, I can't remember the guy's name. But anyway, yeah. And then the, when the Buster, after Buster Douglas, he was never the same. Yeah, what was that guy's name? It's it's not Lou Duva. I'm, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no. I'm talking about a guy who brought him in. Yeah. You, may not, you might not even remember. He his, passed away yeah, when Tyson very was early. like 20, yes. 21, maybe. Yes, yeah. yes. white-haired man, man, yes. Yep. Kind of in, kind of adopted him. Customato? Yes. There you go. That's who it was. Yep. Customato. Yeah, when Cus exactly. passed, I that's think right, that he, that's right. Anyway, you got to see that video. That's right. It's amazing. I got one here. Um, I got two here. Des Bryant's mad at the Cowboys because they gave Andy Dalton a $7 million one-year contract. I saw that. I didn't see why Des Bryant's mad. But no, he's mad that. because um, the other guy doesn't – Dak doesn't have one yet, doesn't have a big contract. Oh, yet. okay. He thinks they shouldn't be signing $7 million backups before they take care of Dak. Um, by the way, as it relates to college football, the NFL is pretty much now, understandably, behind closed doors made the decision that if college football gets delayed and, and they decide to play as the NFL because – College football may not play mm-hmm. because of college campus and kids getting on campus right. and everything else. There's a lot of complications that don't exist with the NFL. I guess there's a scenario where the NFL plays and plays on time, but college still gets delayed. The NFL's already they're going to Saturdays. There's going to be Sat- Saturday really? NFL games and Sunday NFL games every week. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Every week. They're going to Saturdays, split them. Instead of having, you know, whatever it is, 14 games on a Sunday, you're going to get seven on Saturday and seven on Sunday. Or three or four on Saturday and 10 on Sunday, whatever it is. I'm going to love it. And I'm going to love it. And then college football season could start right after. Right after oh. that. And college basketball season. It's going to be are awesome. Are we starving? Are we, yeah. are we thirsty? Yeah, we are a little yeah. too thirsty. Yeah. All right. Did you happen to see the call that Pete Carroll held with the new Seahawks? He held a Zoom call for the free agents they signed and the rookies just to kind of welcome them, say hello. I think Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner were on it. Oh. Did you happen to see that? Uh, yeah, it's a little annoying to me. Well, it's a little much. I didn't watch Enough it. Enough with it already. I know the story. I know how friendly he is with Will Ferrell. Okay. We get it. We yeah. got it. I'm with you. And then the, who's his other buddy that he always has on? Uh, he's got a lot of them. A lot uh, of USC buddies. I don't know. Snoop. Guy? I think Snoop likes him. No, he, he's pretty funny. He, he's uh, uh, he's like a comic. Anyway, he always has that guy on who's kind Will of Will Ferrell and him are buddies. Okay. We know that. But 
I didn't watch it until the day where we are recording this. Oh, really? I just kind of stayed away from it because I'm yeah. like you. I'm like, yeah, all right, okay. we get it's pretty damn funny. Though. I watched still... like 10 seconds of it and I couldn't watch it. I turned it off. But the fact that they said we'd like to uh, introduce Greg Olson and then yeah. they cut to Will Ferrell. Yeah. And then at some point, Will Will pretends like he's Greg Olson and he, he says, uh, he stands up and goes, does a 36-year-old's body look like this? And he does a little pirouette. He's got this awful <laughs> midsection. <laughs> so that's the thing though. It's like, it made me laugh. I tried to stay away from it. But Didn't it's... he say to Russell, we should make a baby or something? Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. said that too. It, it, <laughs> Let's go make a baby. It's, it's pretty damn funny. He said, Coach, I got to tell you, I'm 36. I don't do special teams. I've o- <laughs> he goes, if I've all 52 players get hurt, I'm not doing it. I've OD'd on the Pete Carroll-Will Ferrell relationship over the years. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just being get off my yard, old man. Yeah. It's a little bit. I don't know. All right. What could I, de- what could I tell you? Anything you, more? You ready for the giant Asian murder hornets to come to the I West? I got it on my list. What the hell With is that? With queens that can grow <laughs> to two inches long, Asian giant hornets. <laughs> can use mandibles shaped like spiked shark fins to wipe out a honeybee hive in a matter of hours, decapitating the bees. They decapitate the bees and fly away with their thoraxes to feed their young. For larger targets, the hornet's potent venom and stinger, long enough to puncture a beekeeping suit, make for an excruciating combination that victims have likened to hot metal driving into their skin. They have come to the United States and they're breeding, right? Happy summer, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) They have a large stinger that contains deadly venom neurotoxin, which can cause cardiac arrest and anaphylactic shock. And yet with the situation we're all in, we would choose if we could leave our house to walk right into the midst of them. Yeah, we would. We would. Given the choice, you want to stay in your house or go put your head into into the midst of what do they call them? Murder hornets. Yeah, murder Murder hornets. Jesus, what's going on? Very good. All right, that that wasn't even rehearsed. You and I both had it on our list at the same time. Nailed it. How about that? All right. Oh, we got to do it, don't we? This thing's not ringing so well anymore. All right. So you got uh, you got your Devion Clowney. You got Jaron Reed. You got yourself some Javon Curse. A little bit of Neil Smith thrown in there. A little Julius Peppers. But the greatest. The greatest. The greatest 90 of my lifetime. Mike. Di- no, the greatest 90. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Steve Entman. Steve Entman episode. Steve Entman is in the books.